Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. But like fairness i get the idea of it would have been worse saying you're going to do it and then not doing it killing the reputation what's going on here why what's happened what wow right fucking hell (laughs) um (laughs) i was just gonna do 10 minutes on tnt there jp what i feel like there's like looks like there's a more prescient story happening uh andy says in the chat fucking hell vince is retired and i Press time. I've just gone onto Twitter and Vince has done a tweet that says, At 77, time for me to retire. Thank you, WWE Universe. Then, now, forever. Together. <laughs> Get the suits on, Jake. Wow. What a time to be live. What the fuck? <laughs> Welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Ben. I'm JP. And I'm Will Cooling. There you go, queuing up there, JP. Hey. We got Will on. He's on his best behaviour. Just been in the uh, the pre-show with Will. Didn't get us uh, pulled off the air once. Didn't uh, wander into nope. any dangerous territory. Uh, he, he doesn't even know Jiminy Cricket. He's uh, he's doing well tonight, Will. Hi, Will. You all right? Uh, yeah, I'm good. You've got the kingpin vibes going on there, mate, because for um, people on the Brit Wrestlers dance tier, which we're going to talk about that later on, um, there's, you know, Will is sat there in his room, very much like kingpin, with smoking a big old cigar on him as well, <laughs> with the rum and coke. Hopefully, it uh, must be better than the piss I drank out in Turkey, which yeah, I did this, drink repeatedly. This is Mount, uh, Mount Gay. Yeah. Mount Gay. <laughs> Mate, you would have been horrified of this all-inclusive. You would have been absolutely horrified. <laughs> well, we should get to it with no further uh, ado. We did say we'll uh, we'll get right to it as it is uh, unbelievably, um, you know, there are things to talk about in the wrestling world this week. Uh, we've uh, we've drafted Will on, we've drafted the uh, the big guns in to, uh, to help us uh, cover uh, at least this uh, this first topic that we're gonna uh, gonna talk about today. Because yeah, we had a fun uh, fun weekend show on. Uh, speaking of the Patreon, fun fun weekend show on Friday. Then with JP nice. me and you, we were uh, you know we were just. Uh, Normal Friday, you know, news. Oh, there's AW ratings to talk about. Oh, there's this weird story about the way Triple H is in, a, in charge of a creative again. And it was like, oh, we, we normally record at about 7 or, or 8 UK time. Uh-huh. Um, I, I wanted to be around for Steph's stream at 8. You had some stuff around the house to do. I was like, ah, for once, let's put it back. Let's do a late weekend show. Let's do it at, at 9 on a Friday night. And 
don't think we've ever made a better call, mate, because three Oof. minutes into the show, <laughs> in the midst of me bleating on about TNT and telling you about my uh, my trip to that show on Thursday, which I'll hopefully resume later when we uh, we talk some Rev Pro and the the ROH pay-per-view and some of the other stuff we've been watching. Um, three minutes in, uh, the news dropped in there, mate, just a, just a little story um, about how uh, Vince McMahon um, was quote-unquote retiring um, from WWE at the alleged age of 77. Come to find out he's actually not 77. Yes, weird lie to, to include in your tweet, but anyway, but yeah, that dropped all hell broke loose, mate. And uh, people got a, a live reactions on Friday. Obviously, there's a, a lot of, a lot of time has gone now, and there's lots more to the story we could uh, we could discuss with Will. But fucking hell, that was a uh, that was a time I saw that um, your mates, uh, Will, uh, Rich, and uh, and Wade were live on the air on Friday night yeah. as well when it happened. So we're not the only ones, mate. But that was like literally the opposite of the case of the podcast that I'd say, JP. Yeah, it really was, wasn't it? It was just like, and we were only about sort of what three, four minutes in, hmm. and there we are with the biggest story in wrestling. Like I heard Brian um, Alvarez say about this, like in terms of the the two biggest stories from like a business perspective, having an impact on the overall business. Hmm. The first one is the death of WCW, and you could argue then that the you know the the birth of AEW, but Vince McMahon stepping down. And all the ramifications, some of which we thought would happen and haven't quite happened. And, you know, the various things that it would take for him to go. Because mm. we were also convinced that this man ain't going until he's dead. I mean, I I had just woken up from a nap. I, I had been watching TV with my uh, my children. Oh, no, we lost JP. Um, I've just been uh, watching TV with my boys. And I woke up with a start about nine o'clock and I went into our group chat and all hell was breaking loose. And I was like, oh, oh, I'll get on the live call. And I got to say, like, that was near the knuckle fly by the seat of your pants podcast in. And I thought you guys did great because, yeah, like what a thing to drop on your laps as you're on air live. You know, mm. obviously Raid and Rich were doing a podcast, but it was one that was a pre-tape. You actually having to interact with people and work out what was going on in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> I didn't believe it at first. At first, I was like, oh, I can't remember who dropped it into the, the chat first, JP. And I was just like, oh, let me just double check this for myself. And it was like, oh. I think it was Andy. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. And then I was like, slowly, like, oh, this this actually is real. Oh, fuck. Here's, here's all the follow up. Oh, shit. They've just put this on there. Uh, because because there was a lot of that wasn't the people going oh it's uh, it's probably just uh, he's been hacked or it's it's you know it's bollocks or it's a story or so I was like nope it's on the corporate WWE site and then Sean Rassat was coming out with more details Brian Alvarez was mm-hmm. dropping you know that story about Brock Lesnar which I still do believe I do believe yeah. he, uh, he walked out of SmackDown even if he he did return <laughs> it was just. It was dropping minute by minute, and you know we got Matty and, uh, and Stephanie. They both jumped on the call to give uh, some immediate reactions as well. But it was a wild that night was, to be a podcast. That, One of those great was nights Matty? on Twitter as well. That was Matty. I thought that was Taz. <laughs> uh, even Matty can't uh, can't uh, can't defend uh, this one. I think he was uh, he was in leave with us as well. But yeah, he said he had to go. Fucking what a and mental night. Good fucking riddance. Hmm. Just saying it out, right? He was a cunt at yeah. the end. Like, yeah. uh, not getting around that. That man was an absolute fucking No, prick. no, mate. He gave us all those memories. Oh, these, the, the amount of, like... Really? 
tweets over the weekend. Jimmy Savile gave people childhood memories. I know I shouldn't be doing that comparison. No, but, but like, it's get in trouble for that. Not but far it, it's, different, is it? Like, how many posts did you see where it was like people who should know better? Usually middle-aged men who mm-hmm. cover wrestling in one form or another going, oh, you know, yeah, say what you want about... No, in the most, like, minor way they can paint sexual assault allegations. Nice. Say what you want about him. But remember SummerSlam 92 when it's just like, fucking hell, lads, give it a week at least. You know what I mean? When you've got, like, real new... Like, I've just... You Google Vincent Mann's name right now. Like, the Independence covering it. You know, Vincent Mann's lengthy rap yeah. suit as an indictment of WWE. Vincent McMahon retires... Retirement quickened by sexual misconduct allegations from Sports Illustrated. Fucking hate the country. BBC. Even the son of... Up on the sport and the main page. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but they all include those words, you know, sexual misconduct, hush money, you know, the important factors in story. Not, oh, Vince is retired. Let's, uh, you know, let's, you know, whatever the circumstances, let's, let's memorialize him and talk up the good stuff he did. No, he's, he's, he's not retired. And I saw Brandon Thurston make this point. He's resigned in disgrace yeah. because of sexual yeah. misconduct allegations and hush money payments. Let's give the story the real words it fucking deserves, Well. And I think you can see that with the way this story was announced because um, I thought there was a possibility he would go. I mean, I must admit, like, I listened back to what I put on Pro Wrestling Torch with a deeper dive, and I think I was probably one of the earliest people to say he might go. But I thought I thought he might go in terms of not getting his chairmanship, his chief executive role back. I thought he'd still be able to cling on to being head of creative, They'd do some weird thing where, like, he's he has no managerial responsibilities. He gets to book the TV show, yeah. but like at the very least, you'd have thought he'd be able to say goodbye to the WWE universe and like and MSG you know, of all places and MSG. Mm. You know, I have been made redundant. Um, this is kind of what's happened to Vince. Like he has been told, you no. Know, no, your your security access has been revoked. Your goods will be shipped to you um, at a at a later point. You are not allowed on company property anymore. Like it, it is a hilariously and noteworthy, brutal departure for him. And mm-hmm. there is no fiesta, f- finesse to this. They know he was told you need to go now. Good. And I think you know over the next few days. Over the next few days, we have learnt why he was told that way but i i would have thought at the very least he'd have said goodbye on smackdown and he wasn't even allowed that vince mcmahon vince vincent kennedy mcmahon retired on twitter that says it all doesn't it like you know yeah that is that that's the whole story that tells you everything about how you might want to cover this up and pretend it's nicer than it is like this is like like we'll say jp that is not the way he wants to go no, this isn't repeated health scares and the rest of it. You know, it's, it's, this is this is resigning in disgrace. Yeah, and then having the kind of air taken away because it, they're setting him up to be. I mean, he is the fall guy as he should be. Hmm. Hmm. Like I, you know, poetic justice there. Whatever happens to WWE afterwards, he should have done. There is a laundry list of horrific things he has done. Like really bad things, like leaving people with fucking armed guards outside a plane, and that's within the last few years. Like you know, without going back to Rita Chatterton, Jimmy Snooker, 
the way he made it, it, it. Sorry, I just want to say this self-created stuff. Yeah, it's amazing that the son of a major wrestling promoter could ever end up with a wrestling company, isn't it? It's fucking incredible how that happens. For fuck's sakes, an American story just falls apart. Yeah, <laughs> in trailer park bullshit. Yeah. Your dad is a mate. Is the fucking New York wrestling promoter? All right, you've got a fucking in, a better in than anyone else. Bought the company I mean, with I mean, profits <laughs> that you were going to make in yeah. the future. <laughs> just yeah, I'm, and, and it is worth saying. Like he did genuinely grow up on a trailer park, but I mean, I don't know. If, if anybody has, I, I don't believe a word that fucker says. No, no, but you know, he he genuinely did stuff about the stepdad, none of that stuff. Oh yeah, but maybe that's not not true. But mm. if you read Sex Lies and Head uh, Headlocks, oh yeah, um, which is a really good like summary of like the early WWF, and basically Vince McMahon Senior remarries, and it's his it's his second wife. That basically bring, brings Vinny out of the cold. Hmm. So, like you know, he did genuinely have a poor a poor upbringing until his stepmother comes onto the scene, kind of says, "No, Vince Senior, you need to actually look after your son. You need to bring him in." And you know, he gets his job as an announcer in what was then the WWWF because of labor disputes. You know, they wanted to fire a union ring, uh, ring hmm. announcer. And the only way they could replace a union worker was with a family member. Who was a family member lying around? Vinny. Vinny, you are now in the family business. Um, so, yeah. No, it's it, no, like, I think sometimes people go too far and say, like, he didn't have a hard upbringing because it sounds like he did have one. But, like, he got out of that hard upbringing not because of his own efforts – but because his dad had a change of heart due to his stepmother. That's that's what changed Vince's life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, that kind of, that story and stuff and that mythology around him. Like, that's what he's going to, I hope he's going to be remembered for. But what he's going to be remembered for is this. It's, it's resigning in utter disgrace. It's... The additional details that that we got, you know, mm-hmm. over the weekends, you know, and you know, I'm sure you can explain it better than us will. There was definitely a point where we all maybe thought, uh, you know, the wording of the uh, the WWE uh, press releases was that, you know, he was potentially um, going to be there, and he was pot- it was potentially that the case that he'd used company funds to to yeah. pay off um you know the, the women at the center center of these allegations and that doesn't appear to be the case what appears to be i think the issue is that in paying this hush money and uh, that we've talked about at length in uh, in recent weeks he was acting in a way that benefited the company therefore it should have been declared in company accounts therefore they're literally having to go back in and amend what is the last four years worth of uh, of company accounts and it's not going to be you know a massive amendment but it's you know it, it it's massively notable it's that stuff isn't it it says you know I'll, I'll let you you know say you lie yourself will but this is what's brought him down isn't it rather than the you know the actual yeah. meat of the allegations themselves yeah i mean uh no i, I no it's, it's not it's not an original point to make but it's um i think it's one that came to me a month ago you know they got al capone on his taxes they never nailed al capone on on like all the all the bad stuff he did hmm. just not declaring the income to to the inland revenue was what uh no sorry the fed the whatever the american equivalent is is what did al capone in and that's kind of what's happened to vince 
And just to explain why what he did is bad, and again, like I can use my example of having been made redundant. Um, so you're, you're you're negotiating with former employees, former contractors, uh, for them to sever their relationship with the company. Um, that's a benefit to the company if they don't talk about their bad experiences. Um, that's something that the company should declare um, in their accounts. They wouldn't have to declare it in a particularly um, over-the-top way. Like it, it could just be called severance packages. Um, but I think also, and this is why I think they said he will pay in, in, with the benefit of hindsight, is that I think there's a chance that the way he's done it has created additional liabilities for WWE. Because I literally, when I was made redundant, my 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 soon-to-be former employee paid for me to get a lawyer to look over the redundancy agreement because they had to be protected against me coming back with further claims against the company. If he hasn't done stuff like that, if he hasn't dotted the I's and crossed the T's, WWE might, might still be liable. So I think that statement we all misconstrued is, one, he uses his own money off the books when he shouldn't have, but two, as... WWE goes through these payments, looks at the contracts Vince entered into, there may be more money that has to go to people to put these on the up and up to protect WWE moving forward, and Vince will pay that, that additional money. That's what I think they were trying to say. Um, it's a really bad scene, and I think it's really interesting and I think this talks about what may have happened to Vince over the past few years, that he felt he had to do it this way. Because the reality is, you know, like, you know, we know from like Fox News, we know it's from CBS, boards will sign off on this stuff usually. Like they will sign off on severance agreements and NDAs because a powerful, important executive has been caught doing something badly. That suggests the board wasn't happy with Vince. And Vince was scared that if he went to the board and asked them to do this stuff, they would say no. Right. Mm. And that would put him in a world of trouble. And to me, you know, I've been somebody who's back Vince on firing ba uh, Barrios and Michelle, uh, Michelle, um, yeah, it was, uh, Michelle Williams, because right. I thought he, he was right Not the one and they were wrong. Time. He, he, <laughs> I thought he was right and they were wrong when it came to the WWE Network and pivoting towards just selling the uh, VOD rights. Right. But if actually it was the two of them disagreeing with him over something to do with these NDAs, and that's why he got rid of them, that becomes a bigger story. But no, it, it suggests to me that, that Vince did not have as tight a grip on WWE and that board of directors as we all thought which is why he was trying to keep things off the books, which you, you, you just can't do. You know, like you're entering into con – no, look, just think about it. For anybody listening to this, no, you, Benno, you, JP, if we do something at work that injures a co-worker or a, or, a, or, a, or a customer, we can't go, hey, look, don't tell my bosses. Here's a 1,000 quid. Just keep it quiet. Mm -hmm. Like above and beyond whatever we had done to that person – just that would get would get us fired. Yeah, hmm. yeah, yeah, and that's interesting because like I, I've been kind of questioning, you know, what's yeah, 
Because we, we, how many times did we talk about it? You know, Vince, you know, owns the share, the shares that he owns. He owns the voting shares. Therefore, they're never going to be able to force him out. But at the end of the day, nobody, you know, including you know the people on the board of directors, including Vince himself, you know, wanted some kind of civil war to happen. You know, imagine you know the stock price if something mm. like that took place, where they, you know, they come across these things and they want him out, and Vince is still refusing to go. Like that to me is maybe the the puzzle piece that pieces that have happened in the background, but I'd love to see that episode of the Succession. You know, I'd love to see what what exactly you know who was moving the pieces. You know, who was who was the driving factor? You know, on the board to kind of who got Vince's ear? Because clearly somebody got Vince's ear. I was like, you've got before any more of this comes out, which it is starting to come out this week, and before you know it, it gets worse, and before before like some kind of civil war starts here, you need to go. We all presume it's Nick Carter here could be stephanie could be triple h but some of these had to have that conversation with him because like it's such a could be linda maybe a week ago like yeah it could be linda like uh, two weeks ago like you know on smackdown he was coming backstage going fuck him and being like full vince mm. bravado and you know in this small amount of time things have completely you know switched around um the way, the way to think there. of it is the way to think of it is Obviously, so Vince has 80% of voting shares. He has around 35, 40% of the shares overall. Most of the time, that will be his leverage over the company. Right. But I think they're in a situation where it's flipped. That's the company's leverage over him. Because, yes, he may have 35, 40% of the company's shares, but that's 100% of his fortune. And, you know, if, you know, the board of directors, if they, and I said this back on my podcast, if they turn around to him and say, look, you are trying to make us do stuff that we don't agree with, we think it's unethical, we think it's illegal, we're all going to quit and we're going to tank your stock. We all have blue chip jobs to go back to. We all have our own uh, sources of, of income. You're the one who's going to be left in the poor house. Um, on this this week coming up, uh, Deep Dive, I talked to a film critic, Darren Mooney. And one of the things we talk about is the parallels between Vince McMahon and Harvey Weinstein. The Weinstein company does not exist anymore because mm. of what Harvey Weinstein did. Because he was, unlike Les Moon or like Roger Ailes at Fox News, he wasn't an employee, he's a shareholder. And the danger is if we don't nip this in the bud quickly, it, it infects the whole stock, the whole house of cards comes down. And that will hurt more than anybody, Vince McMahon. That, I'm sure somebody had a come-to-Jesus moment with him and told him, look, you get out now, you might just be able to keep your fortune. Maybe you might even get to keep your reputation because, you know, there's a lot of simps and Vincells out there mm -hmm. who might just ignore this if it can be kept quiet. If you fight this, it's going to end badly for you and you alone. It's ended well for him because, like, the biggest, the biggest shock out of this story is Vincent. You know, Vincent <laughs> Man stocks into WWE right now are worth more money. Like, this mm. is the thing that you know we we were talking about on Friday, weren't we, JP? Like, you would, yeah, you would. All of us would speculate. And I think we're all guilty of it within like the wrestling media space. And WWE had put this out, and you know there was outright, you know, there's outright disclaimers in all of WWE's financial statements. You know, there are you know one particular risk factor that 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 they'll always cite as the possibility of Vince retiring or stepping down, and the effect that could have, you know, on the company as a whole. And like, uh, for how many years, JP, was it just accepted? 
and we probably talked it up as a talk. I'm like, well, if Vince leaves, stock's gonna gonna go down because the investing mm. community aren't gonna like it. And obviously, you know, a lot of this is driven by the fact that well, Vince stepping down means you know to a lot of people on Wall Street, oh, could be a sale and could be a sale coming. And I think the possible likelihood of that you know goes up you know ten times tenfold you know compared to where we were even you know a couple of months ago. But like. That turned out to not be true because the stock, when this news came out, went up. Vincent Mann, as the majority shareholder in WWE, mm. at the as it stands, okay, yes, he's been you know punished in the court of public opinion. He's just made a load more money, you know, from Friday to now. Yeah, it's down a little bit today based on where it was, but you know, it's still you know way up. Was it eight percent up? It was, um, you know, this time yesterday. The stock, mm-hmm. it's just, it's crazy that that's the case. I mean, I think it's majority driven by the sale possibility but also the fact that you know they've been left in as we were talking about jp in pretty good hands nick khan's got a great reputation yeah. what a pickup he's been for wwe you know he's clearly you know the investment community and the business community at large seems to have a lot of time and respect for him triple h despite his name being dragged through the mud and you know nxt being pulled off him and if anyone wants to tell you that like he was being groomed for this position still i mean literally to a man all of all of his backroom staff all of these people you know your road dogs of the world your William regals of the world all of his people he was getting in place for this eventually to happen for him half of them aren't with the company anymore you know that 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 wasn't you know an expected thing, but he's there in place. Stephanie's in place to be a, a man in charge. And what we've actually found is that like there's been a positive reaction to it. People are generally positive and expecting you know better things. The stock the top stock hasn't tanked, and WWE can exist without Vince McMahon. And so the only sad point in that is that because he remains as majority shareholder, he's going to continue to to you know profit off of that. Yeah, that is the one downside. But his removal from the company in so many areas is a good thing. I mean, the first thing is, is like in regards to his behavior and this ties back to a lot of the allegations and the hush money and the various other things, you know, the, the horrific laundry lists of, of things that he has done as a person, the fact that he has been booking entirely for himself now since like for over 20 years, it's just been all about him and it's, it's been horrific for it. It's things have changed on it. I know Fightful had a detailed report about creative and the absolute mess it was. And he was like, of course it's a mess. Yeah. You've got this mad 76-year-old guy in charge who should have been gone, who doesn't have any ideas, has no concept of the outside world, created his own world to live in because he didn't like the outside world. You're hoping it's the end of the verbiage. Like the idea of there being limits on talents because you think, well, Vince will like this person. And because of this, regard be damned on kind of any opinion because he he falls back to the same tropes that he's always done. I mean, I think at some point you've got this, like to shareholders, go back to the share price stuff, you've kind of got what is the most common sense and stabilising presence you can have. You mentioned with Nick Khan, the fact that there's a, there's a McMahon there as well in Stephanie who has been around and there'd be investors who'd be familiar with, with her as well and triple h in terms of a wrestling figure there they go oh, okay that seems common sense i think it's it's where it goes from there on out because nick khan would love a sale and i think there's a point where stephanie and triple h would still be hanging on to at this point well actually we'd still like to keep it kind of family held and is that going to be able to to happen there i mean and who would who else would bid for it 
if it if it was NBC coming up for a sale. That's the expectation. Like they can't M- write it. NBCU. Mm. Yeah, you're talking other media conglomerates. Tony Khan would have the shits and giggles, <laughs> but it would be a bad thing for them. And the other thing now is just to say there's a lot of people who going back to the WWE, if they can show that they can competently book in advance something they have not done for such a long time because a fucking lunatic's been running in there ripping up the script for every single TV show. And if he's not there and they can actually tell competent stories on the budget they have, there's no reason for them to do well. And then all of a sudden, all those people who've gone, they just think, oh, shit, I'd actually quite like to go back over. And then you're into kind of mid-90s proper, like, talent transfers and all the rest of it. Lunatic stuff. Just one thing on the stock before we talk about what it may mean for the product. I think, I do think if, if this had just been Vince died on one on the blue moon, the, the share would have gone down because of the possibility of the chaos it have brought. I think the thing is, obviously, the shareholders have seen what the abyss could have been in terms of mm-hmm. trying to like blow Vince out with dynamite as the company's engulfed with scandal. So him going is is you know is why the share is go share price is going up. Okay, the company has moved to neutralize the scandal. Yeah, and the big I thing think... as well to, to you know to just a James comment there, you know, it's the fact that one a sale is more likely, and two, you know, these these TV deals that are up what twenty twenty three, like huge revenue yeah. continues to come for years with or without Vince McMahon, possibly. And that's a big drive of making a change now, isn't it? Because yeah. we're only a year out from. Like you never negotiations know. been signed off. If yeah, this had blown up more, you know that they might mm. NBCU might go. We don't want to do business with you. Fox might say we yep. want to do, don't want to do business with you. Vince. That might have happened. That might be a back channel discussion that happened. Yeah, sorry, Will. Absolutely. I mean, this is the point I was going to make is that you know, again, the Weinstein Company was a big production house. You know, that did all the Quentin Tarantino movies, Paddington. Like they were a big force in films. Only a couple of years before. Harvey Weinstein was brought down, and when he was brought down, it, the whole thing imploded very quickly. So I, I do think a lot of shareholders are thinking, "Oh my God, we may have just been, we have just gotten away with not holding something that is worthless, and now there is more of a chance of of, of selling it." Because you all remember, Triple H has walked away; he'd been forced to walk away, but he had walked away. Um, Stephanie had walked away yeah. 10 weeks ago. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's how recently, like literally. Basically um, being told, don't let the door hit you in the arse on the way out. Yeah, there is stories a, all over the press that they were planting on her. There is an article I wrote for Fanbyte that hasn't been put up yet and may never be put up because it keeps going out of date and having to be rewritten. Of course, Fanbyte's um, not going to be a thing for much longer. No, <laughs> quite. Yeah. Curse, curse of cooling strikes again. Um, <laughs> but uh, about Stephanie's departure and about how, you know, you, you know originally it was going to be Steph as a figurehead, uh, Triple H as the uh, creative force, uh, Barry Elston Wilson as the business people. And that Vince seemingly had tried to reassert himself and like destroy that kind of plan. But that plan has roared back with a vengeance. Um, you no, know, Stephanie, like I know I had I know I was watching WWE in 2000, 2001. It was it, it went pretty badly when she took over. I'm not a fan of Stephanie's creative vision for wrestling. But she has impressed people as a corporate figure. Mm. The stuff that annoys us 
is why she's actually able to come in and take this role. Likewise, you know, Nick Khan for How WWE Makes Its Money, there is nobody better placed to be effectively the chief executive officer. No, think of Stephanie as the executive chairman. Think of Nick Khan as the chief executive officer because WWE's money now is all about negotiating those TV deals. You're probably looking at a 10-year TV deal with the way American rights markets is evolving. And then you have Triple H as a wrestling creative force. And I do think it is worth noting, one of the big things that were announced on Monday, on Friday, Triple H was announced as taking over talent relations. Only on Monday was he, he announced as taking over creative. Because one of the things, one of the jigsaw puzzle, puzzles we didn't know when you guys were on the air on Friday was who was taking Vince's position in creative. Right, yeah. Because Bruce Pritchard was still there. But, like, I mean, I think Jim Cornette actually explained this best. Pritchard was brought back as a uh, as a as a security blanket gopher for Vince. You know the whole Cornette thing of Bruce Pritchard is a guy who gets it. He understands Vince's mindset. He understands how Vince works. Oh God, yeah. He, you know, if he was put down as the head of creative, then yeah, then Vince is clearly going to just be kind of booking from his house in Florida, um, Soto voice. The minute they say, no, Pritchard isn't the head of creative, it's Triple H. You know Vince is out for good. You know that they've put somebody in to give Pritchard his marching orders and to set the long-term direction. Now, that said, I don't think there'll be any big changes. There'll be a few tweaks. There'll be a few um, good news stories. Um, Sasha Banks and Naomi, they are going to get paid because they're going to come back to WWE and they're going to get a nice big raise to come back to WWE. Uh, Johnny Gargano is probably going to sign with WWE and and again, get a nice contract. Poppy is going to sign with WWE. Sorry, carry on. Um. (laughs) But but WWE is a company engulfed in scandal. Mm -hmm. It does not want to be a company engulfed in turmoil. It is going to be steady as you go. No changes here. There's no... The bad man has gone away. Everything is carrying on. It's just a bit smoother, a bit more corporate, yeah. a bit less unpredictable. The big changes will come once they know whether they're going to stay independent with new TV deals, whether they're going to sell. That big decision will come first, and then the changes to the product will follow. Yeah, I agree with that. Because, like, I mean, I... Not, I wouldn't go as far as like because I've, you know, I know James. He's kind of had this opinion strongly that well, it's gonna still be shit, isn't it? Because you know it's still WWE and it's not like NXT was any good near the end. But like I, I, I will, I will absolutely say as someone who suffered through three hours of uh, of Raw last night because I can't help myself when there's a big news story like this. Well, two and a half hours still I fell asleep. We're not gonna get immediate change. I think you're absolutely right. I think you're gonna get. You know, thing thing they're not going to want to spook the investors. It's not going to be. I I can't see. I'm. I'll get proven wrong. You know, tomorrow on the daily update, JP will be reporting Kevin Dunn's exit from WWE. But I don't think that's happening as soon as people. I think wish, it is. mate. <laughs> Bruce Pritchard's not going to be out the door. If anything, if he was a yes man for Vince, he can be a yes man for Triple H. You know, I think you know, people like that are going to stay. The camera work's kind of probably going to be the same. You know, they're not going to go. Okay, Austin Theory's got it. He's called Austin Theory again. He's not just Theory anymore. They're not going to. 
immediately just strip or they weren't going to rip up the SummerSlam card, you know, and just no. be like, okay, we're going to Russo, Bischoff, Nitro reset. <laughs> yeah. you know? we're, not, we're not getting any of that because they're not going to want to spook people, but we're going to get gradual change. And that change, the, the ceiling of that change might well be boring, you know, end of pandemic NXT USA Network era when when they went to two hours, they went against AEW. None of us actually thought it was good. But you know what it was? It was functional wrestling TV. And I honestly think that's what WWE will probably end up being. It won't be, we won't get the, the you know, the any lofty highs or anything, mm. but we're not going to get the low lows of Vince era WWE over the next year or so. It's going to just be, you know, Probably a little bit boring, white bread, basic booking from pay per view to pay per view. Maybe a few little interesting, you know, production changes here and there, like last night's show. I know people are kind of clinging to little things, but you know there was a little bit more blood. They started hot with a with a big angle at the, the start of the show with, you know, with uh, Miz and um, what's his name, one of the Paul brothers having a uh, big Logan. I was forgetting. Did Michael Cole say fans? Possibly well. little things like that are going to sneak it. They did a backstage segment where, um, you know, Edge, Edge's old crew uh, ran by Finn Balor now. Um, did like a, a big beatdown angle, and it wasn't in one of your typical WWE sets. I know we're all grasping at straws, but those little things are just going to happen to sneak in, aren't they? You but that's, know, but that's Triple H, isn't it? Yeah, but that's Triple H, isn't it? He he flirts at us. Mm. He never quite consummates a relationship with the IWC, um, but he like flirts at us. He shows a bit of leg just to keep us interested. And I think we're probably looking at a year of that, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Not, not like drastic. Oh, now he's going to sign all the indie guys, or you know, as much as it's funny to say as a meme, you know, he's going to he's going to bring back Poppy or he's like Nita. What's her name? Oh no, Effie like, on oh, Monday Night Raw. Raw. <laughs> There's your big indie names left. Yeah, Nick Gage is coming in. Um, you know, it's not going to be that, but I think it is. I think it, at a minimum, I think it'll just be a little bit more calm. It might be a case of oh, Raw doesn't get booked on a Monday afternoon anymore, and and change around eight times. It might just be you know stay. Probably not that exciting. Probably still not for us, JP. Wrestling television, you know, as Simon put in the chat, professional Ooh. wrestling TV producers producing professional wrestling TV. I think that's probably what to expect. Hopefully, having a normal life, given the hours those writers have to do, because of Vince, because you've got someone who's just behaves like a lunatic. It's like the 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 last years of Thatcher on a loop for like twenty odd years, driving people into kind of like having to quit straight away. There's so many, like, I agree with you, like, they, you wouldn't want to destabilise it. The people would want to see that this is the WWE that they know. That change away from full McMahonism hmm. is, that's a much more gradual process. It's it's how much of the verbiage they change. Like, what I'd give never to hear, like, WWE universe. But I suspect that's not going to happen because of branding opportunities and marketing. Do you know what I mean? That it's so... It's so set in. It's it's how many of those things are they going to change on it? And in terms of the creative direction, I, I just think it becomes more interesting at contract season. I think WWE become a much more possibly under a Triple H, and you think, well, actually, if I'm offered here something by the booker, then effectively that might happen because the amount of t- stuff that Vince would offer, it's just never going to happen. Yeah, and you go, yeah, he'll tell you this. You know, he's going the idea of Adam Cole is is not going to be. Yeah. manager in 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 main roster WWE he's going to yeah, be looking yeah. at people who yeah people who are over and I think then like you kind of 
Triple H would probably look at it, and MJF there would be a fascinating prospect because you wouldn't have Vince going with his height, his height straight away. You'd be like, nah, the guy's gold on the mic. This'll this'll do, and he's he's big enough. Like, I think like it does become a lot more appealing. And this is probably best for AEW as well. Like, I don't think this is necessarily like the, the worst thing all round. Don't know, you know. Because I, I, I mm. like just to cut in, like Super Williams did a great article over uh, our friends' voices of wrestling over on their on their website that came out today, and he was kind of saying, you know, and the headline of that story was AEW losing the Vince McMahon advantage. That is like how you know the, the reason there was an opportunity yeah. for a company to come in and be an alternative, an alternative to what insane Vince McMahon been shit for twenty years pro wrestling. Yeah. You know, I like that was. That was a that's a massive selling point of, of AEW as a product. Like the idea that WWE might become competent or good, or might be a place that wrestlers can kind of go. Oh, I trust that they're gonna, you know, at least they paid this money for me. They're gonna invest in me. You know, all of those kind of crazy foibles. <laughs> that Vince McMahon factor being taken away is probably a big negative. At least short term, maybe long term, like you said, JP. When we get if we get into that Raw Nitro mm-hmm. era where there's a lot of back and forth and people go both ways and things like that happen, maybe maybe it's good for both. But I think in the immediate term, I actually think it could it could well be. I, I know the you know the trans Triple H once in a, in a Wednesday Night War. I wouldn't put it past them to uh, to do it again. But yeah, that that Vince that being the not Vince McMahon product. Which NXT had as a as a bonus for a, for a good while mm-hmm. is maybe going to be slipping away from AEW. Maybe there are negatives there. I I think the thing is, even NXT was quite a controlled product. I mean, Triple H as a wrestler was quite a controlled wrestler. It's actually something he shares with Cody Rhodes, which is he's, he he could tend towards a formulae um, at times. And so, like, you no know, people are talking about you no. Know, will we have less scripted promos? Will you have less? And a more inventive match uh, show layouts. I, I'm not sure that's true. Like I think you saw with NXT, even when it, it, even when people thought it was good, it was quite formulaic. His talent judgment would presumably be better, assuming that he thinks what he used on NXT can draw on the main roster, which is not a given. That no, he may have thought that worked on a smaller stage. It won't work on Raw. Um, I just think AEW has bigger issues. Um, I don't know if you saw, but Sarah Silverman, who had a satirical uh, comedy show on TBS. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, no, her, Samantha B, you're thinking. Samantha yeah. B. Samantha B show got cancelled. Um, oh, and she said, and she said, uh, no, no, people upset that it wasn't basketball or wrestling on. Well, it's like, well, wrestling only got onto the show, onto the station this, this year. Um, no, what are you talking about? But it's another sign that TBS, TNT, the whole Warner family, their finances are on fire due to the mistakes they made with uh, HBO Max, the mistakes they made with CNN Plus. And I don't think you can assume AEW gets renewed because there's a lot of successful shows and a lot of successful programming being cancelled by that network at the moment. And I'm not sure there's any alternative bidders for AEW, particularly when you look at the fact that they are not in a in a in a period where their ratings are up year on year, their ratings are down year on year. Yes, they're still doing creditably um, in terms of the uh, r- rankings, but 
if no one can make money on your programming, no one can make money in your programming, they won't bid for you. They'll just stick a rerun on that costs them less. So I think I think uh, AEW has bigger issues to uh, face rather than Vince McMahon trying to steal their wrestlers because there'll always be enough wrestlers, always enough stars um, for them to have a, a decent enough main event roster. I mean, for example... I think Triple H being in power makes it a lot less likely Chris Jericho backs, goes back to WWE next year. More so CM Punk, but yeah, that too. Uh, also CM Punk uh, as well. Yeah. People, I've seen people say that. Oh, CM Punk might go back now, Vince is gone. I mean, should we get who's in charge now? <laughs> it might even be less likely Punk's going over. Um, but no point taken. No, there is that. And yeah, like say AW, you know, yeah, there's, it's not a guarantee, is it, JP, that they'll... It's gonna depend on you know what their meet their uh, their rights deals are are next year and you know what what happens with them. Yeah, it is. It's how much of an attractive. There's a lot that can happen in TV and in, in that period of time. But I mean, I would like to hold on to the idea that W if if the idea isn't absolute world domination and that every other wrestling company has to be crushed. If that's not the mentality from WWE, then I'd say that that's a massive bonus from the get go. Because that's always been the issue no, as well. Global localization might be back. We might get Triple H pointing at a map again. I, of NXT, I, <laughs> NXT UK that, might be back, JP. <laughs> I, <laughs> it's terrible. Like, like a fucking sh- phoenix covered in shite. NXT rising out of the flames made out of even more shit. Oh, my <laughs> Christ. No. I mean... I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? Like, Triple H did want to destroy his competitors. His competitors were like Ring of Honor, Ref Pro, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is like, him. they're not... Um, he did want he did want to pump out content because, you know, he had 205 Live, NXT UK. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think you have to be careful not to assume all the bad things with Vince go away. And it has to be said, like, who's the one organic star... WWE have created mm. the past five or six years. It's Becky Lynch. Vince McMahon was a person pushing Becky Lynch. Who was the person trying to kill Becky Lynch so Charlotte Flair couldn't main event against Ronda Rousey? Triple H and Ric Flair. I've yeah. never heard that before. I would have thought. You've not heard that before? No, I would have said Becky Lynch was. Because, I, I mean, you've got to give Triple H credit for, like, he might be the only North American. Competent during that period of women, where she during, no, during the period, not not beforehand, because obviously he did help her develop, hmm. but during the period where it was who was going to main event against Ronda Rousey, by all accounts, you had Vince on Becky's side and you had uh, Triple H due to his then loyalty to Ric Flair on Charlotte Flair's side. I can, I can see that in the micro, but I think in the you know. In the in the biggest scheme of things, you know, for mm. horse women, the treating of women more seriously, the you know, the, look at the way Triple H booked Bailey compared to the way Vince booked yeah. Bailey when she got to the main roster. Like I, overall, I think you know, there's a load of more positives at least in a uh, in Triple H's uh, favor. And they were selling out. Mm. They were selling out big arenas. Mm. Genuinely, they were the hotter tickets. Mm. That WrestleMania in Dallas, the the hottest ticket for the weekend was seeing Shinsuke Nakamura debut. Like that was like the kind of stuff that that he was he he was able to do. I mean, he, it, there's a lot of ifs, buts, and maybes about where like a, what happens with Triple H in the yeah, future. He might do none well. of this. 
He might just be Vince. Yeah. He might just be literally book like Vince. He might, you know, <laughs> he might have Keith through. Do you play it safe? Being a bear. He might have had Adam Cole being a manager on the main roster. Yeah. You know, he likes being cool as a super in his article. He likes being cool Uncle Paul for us, lot, but that was when it was NXT. You can get away you know? with that. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever see the stockpiling again. I think that kind of nonsense will end. And I think the acceptance will be that for people to leave is not the worst thing in the world. You don't need to keep them around endlessly because your fear of somebody becoming a bigger star elsewhere and the kind of psychopathic need to control the industry, you'd like to think that's kind of gone. Because I'm I think there's sure things... That, um, yeah, really? No. I don't see... they. I don't think that NXT Japan is a goer. No, no, no. That, that may not be a goer. But if you look at NXT UK, mm. like... If you get tax like, right off William, no, <laughs> but but like that's the, by all accounts, that's the bit that Triple H still had some sort of power over, yeah, and that's the bit where they haven't pruned a roster, and that roster needs pruning. Now, whether you think of NXT UK, there are people who just need to go away and refresh themselves, and they just haven't been. Yeah. Um, and, and no, and like the the the, the cuts to NXT's roster began when he was removed from NXT. Um, and he he's was a very quite... petty man. Let's not forget. Like, think of all the little d- drabs he did at AEW, like in this Hall of Fame speech, and you know, calling a piss on company and stuff like that. He Triple H would absolutely sign people just so that I, I want a bit of that them. fucking needle. <laughs> I want a bit of that needle. I want it now. On them properly slanging each other off. But I fear that I fear Big Tone will turn into Kevin Keegan at this point. You got Carl, so close. Carl's right. Or Triple H will. Ex-Fuller manager. Calls <laughs> right to ask the question, does enough talent are on the Indies to stop power in the first place? Yes, that is a question. I think we'll just get more bidding wars for more of similar type of talent, you would think. You know, I don't I, I think that's probably more the way it's uh, it's gonna go. Sorry, Will. No, no, I I, I I agree with that, and I think um I think when it comes to Triple H, I think Sean Moss Sapp's article today on Fight for kind of get gets to the heart of it. Which is Vince wasn't really comprehendous um, enough to run creative, so you're gonna get a more professional operation. I want to see those notes, um, by the way. I want to. I want to see what oh, yes. these things were he was saying in these meetings well, were, because it sounded like hopefully a la Trump January sixth stuff when they oh. realised like all the people on the inner sanctum were just was, ah, oh, the bloke's a fucking loon, isn't he? He's an absolute I, fucking loon, and he's a complete narcissist. It makes and so much he's sense. Happy to burn down everything around him. It makes so much sense now. I haven't read that like because of the story that came out today. People haven't seen it. You know, him not you know saying things that weren't acceptable words in 2022. Um, you know, booking things and not realizing that he booked the same thing two weeks before. You know that that rang true with me. It's like I bet yeah. You know those spear through the guardrail spots you get in every main event. Bet you every time he thought that was the first time he came up with the idea. That's the only explanation for why they do it every right. fucking pay per view. Like there's yeah. loads of things like that that are gonna be uh, we can, we. We could listen to some competent people who've got years of writing television or whatnot, or let's listen up to steroided Alf Garnet here and see if he fucking tees off. Like, and, that, and that's the situation that we have, don't we? And hopefully he's gone. Like, I mean, until the shares are gone, like, which, you know, and because, you know, he's like, he'll be on the phone. He'll say he's had a holiday or whatever. But, I mean, if you're Shane... Like I'm fascinated to know Shane's opinion on all of this as well, which is not been mentioned at all. 
wasn't it wasn't a news story that he said like Shane would never get another chance with WWE after that Royal Rumble um, stuff this year? Vince apparently said, "Well, we'll see. Give it a few weeks." JP like, obviously it wasn't Vince's fault. Big man brave, blaming his son. Big <laughs> can, man. Can we talk about Brock Lesnar before we get back onto the show? Can we talk about Brock Lesnar? His wife sued Vince McMahon in what 1998, 1999 for sexual harassment. And when Vince finally gets done for sexual harassment, he threatens to quit out of solidarity with Vince McMahon. I mean, what on earth does Rennie Mero, Rennie Rennie Lesnar even, what does she think about Lesnar's behavior? Yeah, I do wonder whether we got a phone call from home saying, "Brock, have we not told you this story before?" I know, it was, I know, it happened before you were watching pro wrestling, but Jesus Christ, dude! Well, you know, listen, listen to uh, uh what was it, Marlena? Like, uh, you know, <laughs> oh yeah, Terry Runnels' yeah. Uh, stories about Brock Lesnar. Two could be two peas in a pod. Um, yeah. I know it's not quite that severe, but still. Um, but no, I was, I was gonna say, like to to, to James's point earlier on mm-hmm. there. You know, Triple H had a major health issue recently that'll go. Can he even do the job? You know, we might find ourselves in three months and Shane might float in and be like, Ooh. you know, end up being the uh, the guy who steps in if he physically... Because this this is what's so mad about the story. Can't be lost. Yeah. Triple H had his heart attack, got pulled from NXT. Like I said earlier, all of his subordinates got, got pulled. His entire... Like, I, this entire succession plan that we're now going forward with was ripped apart and partly was because of that health issue as well. Like, the fact that we're back here is insane. It's like, it's insane. Well, no, it's it, weirdly, it's a weird way to think of it. It's the rise and fall of Vince McMahon, but in like a year, in the sense of Vince McMahon had been built a gilded cage where so much of the stuff he was meant to do had been given to Triple H, so much had been given to Steph, so much had been given to Wilson and Barrios, and he over a course of two years, had destroyed that gilded cage, brought Nick Khan in as his hired gun to get him his TV deals, um, and but, like, was reasserting himself, like, came back on TV. Like, it's, it's easy to forget, given however present he's been. But until, like, November last year, Vince hadn't been on TV much for a few years. For quite a while, actually. And so it seemed like Vince was kind of like, you know, screw passing over to the next generation. I'm back. I'm in charge. I'm the face of WWE. And instead, that's imploded very quickly. And this is why, you know, now get the succession uh, music ready, JP. This is why it feels <laughs> like if you're looking for people who did Vince in, if you want to do a conspiracy rather than it just being a whistleblower with no axe to grind, Triple H and Stephanie are the ones. Nick Khan was fine with what was happening. He wanted to make either either do a sale or do a huge 10-year TV deal. Either way, he will get a nice big bonus and move on to his next corporate job. It was Triple H and Steph who were being left out. Something's so, happened, isn't it? Sorry, I need to cut in here with the news story, just to your point. Oh, oh here my we God. go. Remember when you said that it's not that big? But you remember when you said, like, oh, you know, they're not going to try and cut down the competition yet. So Brandon Thurston reports an exclusive that an upcoming NXT event will run the same day as AEW's All Out. <laughs> what a coincidence! <laughs> <laughs> oh. Can you believe it, JP? 
the shithousery years are back. Here we go. <laughs> Did your faith get crushed there within 15 minutes? Uh, well, that's it. Proves, proves whatever I fucking know, doesn't it? I, I, mean, think you, I think you owe me and Benno a Coke, JP. <laughs> that's amazing. Calm, Sorry, calm down here. We're not going into Herb Abrams. Mate, you could have been, but, um, that's hilarious. My God. Like, of course it, they are. It, of course. Like, <laughs> I, I, it's funny. It is actually kind of funny. And I think as well, the thing that it does create is buzz and a feeling of, for the first time in a long time, like for all of us, this is a brave new world, really. This is a Vinceless world of wrestling. And we haven't had this ever like really in our yeah. in for for a lot of us in our in our la- in our lifetimes outside of like if you're in your kind of like 50s and 60s and upwards from there and now we're at the point in time where you've got um no Vince you've got like kind of different creative with who are going to have different attitudes to him because this is a man who didn't like the English language so therefore had to have it mangled to fit what he liked he didn't like sneezing. He didn't know what a burrito was. He behaved like a fucking lunatic and he's gone. And I think like they can actually be run like a competent business now. And you mentioned earlier on about the booking, crazy ideas like trying to freshen up and rotate the booking teams. I mean, for God's sakes, if Jerry Lawler and Jerry Jarrett could work that out between themselves, I'm sure that this fucking team, crack team, can do it as well at the same time. So, yeah, you like could, you could see new ideas come in. Yeah, Jim Smallman's only there, mate. He could, uh, you know, he could offer some. <laughs> it's time <laughs> to shine. Maybe Gable. I wonder if he's has he turned that frown upside down yet? I don't quite know. From every time I see him, I can tell you well, he's wearing a suit, mate. I know, I know that he wears a suit now because he wears a suit because he's got a corporate job. Yeah, you know. But well, this is friends. the thing though about um, he didn't have a shotgun against his head to take it, did he? For fuck's sake, <laughs> bitching about it. <laughs> well, this is the thing, though, about whether Triple H can do the job after having a after having a hard episode. Hmm. So, well, of course he can. He can't work the hours Vince can, but that was a bad idea. Like Vince shouldn't have been working those ideas. Hmm. He shouldn't have been working the writers that long. Actually, booking a wrestling show should be a nine to five job. Um, it shouldn't even be that, by all accounts. So, like, if Triple H and if Stephanie can impose some discipline on um, uh, the hours, it's a more than manageable job. The um, the, 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 the thing I was going to ask... Can't treat them like cattle anymore. The idea of a lot no. of them going, do you know what? Pay my fucking travel, cheeky bastards. <laughs> like, I like to think that kind of stuff should be happening. Like the idea I mean- of that referee from NXT quitting, because like, you know, I'd wonder whether or not like, are they going to have that whole kind of... Is WWE a setup to only really be run by a dictator king? Or can you devolve power truly? Or is it just in the nature of a lot of the people who are there that you go for power grabs every time? So therefore, a kind of proper corporate structure can't exist in the way that it should do. But they have one now, don't they? Because Vince was... He was Triple H, Nick Khan... Stephanie Moran, effectively. If if we think this structure looks like it seems to look like, mm. Vince was doing all three of those roles to a lesser or greater extent. Um, 76, and, by the way. 
yeah. doing Not that. 77, by the way. I still don't understand why you said that. In the no. Well, so, in the full... still, he's still 76 until he turns 77. That's in how the, it works. In the full memo, he said, about to enter my 77th year. He also said uh, retiring rather than uh, resigning. But, yes. You know, we'll uh, we'll but, allow it. Well, I was getting to that point, though. What 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 happens with... Those grandkids are fucked, aren't they? <laughs> well, They're going to see a lot more of him. Are they, though? What's he going to do? He's, he's a man with no hobbies. Like, that is my question. Is he really done? You know, as majority shareholder, can't, will he still be wielding power? Will he still be trying to crawl back in some way? I mean, I lean no now based on everything that's come out and the more that's likely to come out, but... You know, does he die now? Like, does, do you know, what's the what's the what's the lifespan of you know these these men who will workaholics and then retire and then all of a sudden you know they got they haven't got that job to go to and it's not like he's gonna launch another wrestling company tomorrow. You know, there's no there's no big business coming from uh, from Vince anytime soon. Maybe he'll start like an investment portfolio or he'll you know in three or four years he'll try and start an MMA group or something. I don't know. Like, but like buy new cars. Maybe you could buy Newcastle after that, all these years. That long-held dream, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think I think Brendan Thurston beat me to make this point, but basically there's a window to sell the company. Um, the way the way it works is, and this is a mistake the idiots who bought Progress made. You don't buy a company right. when you know what their income over the, the foreseeable future is going to be, because there's no way for you to ramp up the income to earn your money back. Um, so it's all downside risk. So no one is going to buy WWE once those TV contracts are locked in because there's no way for you to go in and say, okay, they're, they're going to earn this much. We can make it more. Um, unless it's someone like Endeavor that can just cut costs and uh, make money that way. So I think Brandon first was saying, I think he, no, I, I, I was thinking this myself before he said it. The window to for WWE to be sold is a year. They be sold before the TV deal is signed because obviously part no both because you you know you want to buy WWE for a TV deal is agreed mm-hmm. because you're buying on the you no know, you're you're kind of buying on the upside that you might be able to get a better TV deal than WWE by itself. But also you're probably likely to be a TV company, NBC, Fox. Um, um, uh, Disney, um, who would be able to just take it in-house and use it as your own product. So, if no, in all likelihood, no, if a sale's going to happen, it'll happen in a year. If a sale doesn't happen, then yes, there's always a chance Vince, Vince comes back. But, you know, he is out. He, no, he is, no, according to the Wall Street Journal, he's under investigation by federal authorities. So, like, he's really, really out. So, like, they're going to be very careful about talking to him. Um, so he he will be out of executive functions for the foreseeable future. And we all know with wrestling, once you're out, you fall behind quite quickly. Vince had already fallen behind, even in the chair. Imagine how out of date he will be after not being involved in the day-to-day running of WWE for a year, two years, I, I think he's done. I don't think you get a Vince McMahon come back. Um, I think you get uh, a sale, or if not a sale, some form of divestment, some sort of complicated divestment to you know Stephanie Shane, 
um, and the grandkids in a few years' time. But no, I, I think Vince is done. Plenty of companies aren't run by their shareholders. Mm. They are accountable to their shareholders. Um, and obviously, like, if WWE wants to do something crazy that Vince disagrees with, he would step in a shareholder and say no. But I think the days of Vince uh, deciding what happens day-to-day in WWE are long gone. And that's a suitable punishment for him. Yeah. Like, really is. Like, it's the ultimate punishment. It'll kill him. He, he, he would he, rather yeah. not have that extra $200 million that Benno was talking about and still be involved in some way, even if it was just as head of creative. Yeah. Like, this is the worst nightmare. He leaves with zero fanfare. He doesn't say goodbye. Because, like, I've always thought, like, since the Attitude Era, he always thought of himself as the real star of the show and the families. That's always been how he's how he's kind of viewed this stuff. And he's leaving in, like, a really ignominious way. Like, this massive car, like, it's like writing out Roseanne out of Roseanne in in some ways. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Like the kind of mad parallel with that, yeah. where you're getting rid of the like of this person who just provides who's ultimately not going to provide anything like more problems. And I think that's the other thing as well, is there's going to be more things coming out. Like I suspect I like that. when other shoes drop, like this is where you start to get into so it's whether or not do they lose the revisionist history stuff that they've been doing the entirety ever since they've been producing documentaries and stuff. They have to start distancing. I mean, you can't. Like, how much do they start distancing themselves from Vince? At what point does he become the toxic figure? Gonna say based on SmackDown on Friday, no time soon. Like even on Raw, no. like that was the funniest thing on Raw. They had um, when um, the okay, oh, calling three when Austin Theory was out there, and they had their uh, Roman Reigns, set, you know, making the uh, making the joke about uh, your dad's not daddy's not here anymore type of thing, and like <laughs> melt. Did you hear the audio and melt? Oh yeah, he was obviously talking about Johnny Johnny Gargano. No. He's talking about Vince Smith. Like, that was well, Vince. the most obvious joke in the world. What they're doing. Vince it's just the elephant in the room right no. now. It's going to be... Not even jokes. No. <laughs> doesn't really work. Even Meltzer admitted he got even... that one wrong. And that happens really that uh, that, that poor Meltzer. I'll give, I'll give him credit for being able to laugh at himself. But, like, the point remains, like, he's going to be... It is. It's the, it's the elephant in the room. It's going to be for the foreseeable future, isn't it? And like I say, if I, I, I really think on, on a point on that, and, you know, I think with Stephanie, especially... On SmackDown, you know, doing the thank you Vince stuff and the I love you dad mm. to the camera. <laughs> I don't think that's going to age particularly well. You know, I think the the sooner they do move away from all that stuff, um, the better. But I mean, before we, we let you go, Will, I was just going to say we did get some uh, some suggestions in the chat about uh, some jobs that uh, the Vince could do in the uh, in the time since he could uh, launch WWE, WBF uh, version two point uh, And Carl says could buy Fulham for the uh, the batter. <laughs> <and he says, laughs> That'd be fucking the, awesome. Uh, Vince reality show. <laughs> There's a, a shout in there for him to, uh, you know, like Partridge, just go to the local petrol station in uh, in Newcastle. Liam uh, said and could uh, spend his retirement days uh, just chatting him up doing that. Could write for Progress, you know, doing a uh, <laughs> regular cameo Miss and Misses. These are all. Uh, Distinct possibility. Maybe we could start a cameo, as uh, as Dylan says. Maybe we could. Uh, maybe there's life after wrestling. Maybe there's a podcast in it. Maybe that's uh, that's the next Conrad podcast. Conrad and Vince. Maybe that's where we're headed. I I would listen to that podcast. I mean, I think uh, just one thing on Vince. I think I think there's two things I'd say is is that well, there's a lot more stuff that could drop if people start saying uh, talking about the awful things he got them to do on TV. So we look at Trish Stratus. 
if she was minded to bring a sexual harassment suit based on what he had to do in 2001, would any court in, in America deny her her payouts? Like he made her bark like a dog. He made her, you know, kiss him and he fondled her. Like it was pretty horrific stuff. Like this, like I think this is the the real danger for WWE. This could metastasize where it's not just stuff going on behind scenes. It's actually stuff that was done on camera. I mean, this is a man who wanted to have an incest story with his own daughter, insisting on having a match with his own daughter, like, I think a week before her wedding. Like, there's a lot of stuff that could be raked over the coals if people are so minded. The Booker T segment where you use the M-word, like, there's loads. Yeah. The second thing is, I do feel, like, obviously, Vince's mythology is, is overblown. But look, it is worth saying that American wrestling has retained more of its, its audience, has certainly retained more of its financial firepower than British wrestling, than Japanese wrestling, than Mexican wrestling. Maybe part of that was Vince. Maybe part of that was Vince uh, bringing, no, kind of forcing through this monopolistic organization called WWE. And we know, you know, we know a lot of those territories in the eighties would have blown up anyway, even without WWF kind of competing against them. WCW didn't fail because of WWF; it failed because of its own incompetence. Um, AEW is is struggling with growing pains. It's you no, know, it's reasonably successful, but it is struggling to kind of maintain the momentum in its third year. Look at things like Impact or Ring of Honor. Um, we shouldn't assume this is a good news story. Like it is a good no, it's a good news story in the sense of Vince is an awful person. Yeah. It's hilarious to see him brought down. Yeah. But we shouldn't assume that in ten years' time. American wrestling looks more like Japanese wrestling, where it's a very niche thing, not on uh, an, uh, mainstream TV. Because you know, I always make this point, Monday Night Raw used to be part of a two-day block with Tuesday Night Fights, which was a boxing show on USA Network. Tuesday Night Fights was cancelled in 1997. Um, it is very easy to see how this could unravel if WWE doesn't manage the next few years properly. Um, and um, yeah, we, th- this is the exciting thing because I think we knew if Vince kept uh, kept in charge, it would keep limping on because he had enough street smarts to uh, keep the show on the road, but was so addled and diminished, it would never be good. What we're now looking at is an environment, once they get through this initial period where they need to reassure people, it could either become brilliant again or very good again or competent again, or it could enter a tailspin where it's another WCW and no one knows who they, or TNA, Mm. where no one knows who they're reporting to, no one knows who's in charge, and actually things go badly wrong quite quickly, which is, again, is why it should be sold and I think the fact that Vince no longer has his lifestyle on the line when he sold, sells the company is the main reason why a sale is more likely. Vince at the moment loses nothing by selling the company. He has everything to gain by selling the company because he gets to bank his money. 
Um, we know he doesn't care about Stephanie or Triple H because he tried to fire them. So he's not going to be concerned that they may be uh, out on their ear. They shit get the Logan benefit. Roy, innit? <laughs> shit get... Logan Roy, as as AEW fans chant. There's a title contender. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I, 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 I fucking I, lost I, to the kids. He was wank. I I just can't. I mean, I've been calling for WWE to be sold. Yeah. Since I think 2018, I, I I I cannot see the argument to not sell it now. You'll get a couple of billion, maybe three billion if you're lucky. Um, it is a bit of a dinosaur. There's not many independent TV studios out there anymore. It's time to sell. Vince makes his money. Triple H and Stephanie will make money. They'll probably still end up in the same jobs that they're in. It's feels like a guarantee but yeah i mean i suppose we'll uh, we'll leave that story there and uh yeah we'll uh, we'll let you go william unless there's uh anything else uh you want to throw else, else about vince anything you want to plug like you mentioned you've done some uh some audio on vince are you doing any uh yeah any writing on this story uh coming up that we should expect on soon to be defunct websites no no well i mean there is that steph article in the ether so i probably should talk to fan fire if they want to re me to rewrite it for the fourth Clock's time ticking. they have <laughs> They have paid me for the article, but I will be nice and offer to uh, re- rewrite it um, if, if they want me to. So um, yes, yeah, so, so you can you can find uh, my latest wrestling article be on it, my Substack. It could be said which is a alternative history of what might uh, have happened if Daniel uh, Daniel Bryan, if Brian Danielson had of um, won the AEW title at Grand Slam. Um, I have started a fortnightly column for City AM, which is a London newspaper, free newspaper in London. My last one was a very was a fun article to write about how uh, Boris Johnson compares to Winston Churchill. One person on Twitter did not get the joke, which was it was a way to insult Boris Johnson whilst also insulting Winston Churchill, and thought I was praising. <laughs> Um, thought I was praising Boris Johnson. I referenced Tony Pandy, guys. Come on. Um, um, you also have my stuff I do on Pro Wrestling Torch. Um, we have the Deeper Dive. So there is the one I did on Vince Man last month. I was kind of bereft. I, I'm quite glad I did this because I had nothing much more to add to that. Um, um, so this kind of had the few things I wanted to add, which means I get to actually talk about Jonathan Gresham and Jordan Grace on my next Deeper Dive. I also have the Deep Dive, which I co-host with Rich Fawn. Um The forthcoming uh, episode is all about is with Darren Mooney, a film critic. Um, we're talking about uh, the comparison of Vince McMahon and Harvey Weinstein and Doctor Who. But the current episode is with somebody in the chat, Liam Doom. We talk about boxing, the West Midlands, and we also talk about the great sport, Benno. And Will's gone. Anywho, <laughs> <laughs> good to have Will on. Thanks, Will. Mate, that's time. <laughs> Goodbye, Will. <laughs> Thank you. As soon as he mentioned oh, yeah. cricket, he was there. He was. Go on, Will. Do you want to say goodbye? <laughs> I told you I wasn't going to. That was my call. joke. That was my joke. <laughs> and you can find me at Will Calling. <laughs> Thanks, <one>, Will. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Bye. See so, yeah. He did tell me I was allowed to uh, to cut him off if he uh, he went into. <laughs> Into his chat with uh, with Liam about those. God love him. No, he's on his best behaviour. Like load of, uh, just felt like I was like learning a load of stuff there. Mm, As much as anything about this, because like there's the minutiae of the business dealing stuff, and I think that's you know Mm. will like kind of feels like he's very much on on top of that. Yeah. 
But he did mention Jonathan Gresham there, didn't he, as well? Which is a wonderful lead-in from there. He did, and yeah, we're going to move on uh, from there. Yeah, thanks again to uh, to Will for joining us. Like you say, give us that uh, that uh, that side of uh, of things when it comes to uh, that big story. Yeah. I knew he'd have uh, some great takes on it and great uh, great talking points. And we'll keep uh, keep ahead of the story as it as it develops. Apparently, uh, it has been confirmed it is an NXT take. Well, not a takeover, but one of their uh, their specials that's going to be on the network. That's uh, mm. that's head to head with AEW because of course it is. Um, Coming. Who's uh, going to be in charge of that? Good question. Yeah, is it is it Shawn Michaels still? Is it is it Triple H? Um, yeah, Jim Smallman. <laughs> well, Mikey says in the chat, yeah, can we never talk about Vince ever again? Let's hope, unless there's the episode where he dies, where you know JP might have a might have something for us if uh, if that ever happens, mate. Please, yes, I will do. Yeah, like for that one, I've had an absolute paddy with this fucking computer last couple of bloody days. Watching Death Before Dishonor was a struggle on this. It was like, come on, this, this wasn't the heat of the other couple of weeks ago. I know, had a tough, tough. Where one blames his tools, but no, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure you'll uh, you'll come through the other side. But yeah, I suppose we should. Yeah, you know, well, we've uh, we've talked uh, enough, Vince. Uh, we should talk some uh, of uh, what we've been watching and uh, the other things going on in the uh, in the wrestling world. Um, but yeah, I think it, it can only start in one place. We're going to talk this. ROH uh, Death Before the Santa card. Obviously, we've got uh, some AEW TV to talk about. Uh, my trip to Rev Pro, and maybe even some G One will will stick it sneak mm-hmm. in at the end. But I think the ROH pay per views kind of been dwarfed a little bit by the the story that's kind of mm-hmm. come out since with the uh, with our mate John uh, Jonathan Gresham and uh, and everything going going down with him. It's been a crazy few days, but that's been a a big story as well. I mean. This pay per view. I mean, I watched Step Out the Four Dishonor live, and um, I I was struggling to get fight going. So like, we finally got fight on, and they were just in the ring wrestling, and it was like fuck, like Claudio and Gresham are on first. That's a fucking weird call. And then it was over in like eleven minutes before the match even got started. Like I've seen mm-hmm. people rate, you know, talk about it as this great match. I thought it was a bang average. You know, one wrestler is clearly more motivated than the other kind of performance. And then I went back and I rewatched like the uh, the opening to the show and it is just written. I've never seen a boo-boo face like it. Like Gresham, yeah. no octopus mask, no, no no big jacket, no flag, just a t-shirt and a fucking frown as he came out there. We should have known and yeah, obviously it came out since that there was a, a shouting match with him and uh, him and Tony Khan um, leading to either, depending on which report you believe, Gresham asking for his release from ROH slash AEW or Tony Khan outright telling him he was fired and yeah, you know, obviously Gresham's a person, you know, you, you know a little bit, JP, mm. and, you know, he introduced uh, to me as well. Nice bloke, you know, good good lad, yeah. you know, he's a good, good wrestler. Um, yeah, I can see in some ways both sides of this story. Like, I think, you know, to Gresham's credit, he carried that ROH title. Like, you know, he, he in the period where ROH didn't exist anymore, it continued to be a thing because he was on the indies all over the world defending this ROH title, you know, and is. As I was saying to you last week, his story is a nice story. You know, the fact that, you know, if you're an ROH fan, we've got to remember it's not just, and I think Tony Khan forgets this sometimes, it's not just, you know, the mid-2000s ROH people like me that matter and, like, your AEW fan base that matters. I feel like the people who are following our Ring of Honor near the end were invested in Gresham, invested in a lot of those guys, and invested in that story of Gresham getting the belt. Now, I think what we found when Gresham found himself on AEW TV was, one, Tony Khan clearly wasn't motivated to book him in any kind of strong way. If you, if nobody told you, you'd think Samoa Joe was the real ROH champion, and it, it yep. wasn't Gresham that entire time. Turn them heel, 
gave him multiple managers now. You know, he clearly, you know, according to Gresham in an interview that came out, you know, the, the day before with uh, with our, our mate off Twitter, uh, Hangman Punker, whatever his name is, backup Hangman. Um, you know, he did an interview with him. Wrestle purists, isn't Wrestle it? Wrestle purists yeah. on there. Um, who, who, and outright Gresham was outright saying, I haven't had a full conversation with Tony Khan at any point. Mm. He clearly wasn't a Tony Khan wrestler. And I would say on the other side, Tony Khan has absolutely every right if he's going to buy ROH to put his own stamp on it. And if he hasn't got confidence in Gresham being a guy, go with who he does have confidence in, which appears to be Claudio. But, you know, it's led to this, you know, shitty, shitty situation we're in. But, you know, I can see both sides. I can see why Gresham's mad. I can see why Tony Khan maybe, you know, looked at it and went, yeah, if you're an ROH fan, you you know, you're invested in this Gresham story and you like him. If you're just someone who's tuning into AWTV, you're going, who's that? Why is he the why is he the ROH champion? Why am I supposed to care about this, you know, this guy who's yeah. out here doing exhibition technical matches on TV to to no reaction? You know, he's, I think he's got every right to to put his own champion in place. But yeah, it's kind of like crazy that it that it blew up the way it did. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense watching the match. I mean, I watched it like kind of the next day because um, it could, like you say, it was the opener. And as soon as that happened, I was like, well, this match was pretty inevitable. What was going to happen? It's even more inevitable now. Um, and yeah, he looks pissed off. I think it's best all round mm. for everyone, weirdly. I think it's, I think for Gresham, it's a case was he wasn't being used in the way he wanted to. And he just went, right, well, I don't really want to be here. And so he gets his release. And this is this kind of story is the thing you utilize when you're out on the indies, aren't you? You can do this as a motivating factor. And that's really his kind of wheelhouse is, is, is like being that kind of king of the indies, that really long established name who travels around to all the various companies and gets around the world. Maybe that is the best role for him. And maybe now with this, you've got a bit of a chip on his shoulder as well while he's doing it. And I agree, like, the the way he's been used. He's been kind of lost in the shuffle. I just don't know whether or not, like, there is a way of, there's a way of presenting Jonathan Gresham to the best of his abilities. And my way, my idea was always that you present him as wrestling's Maradona. You look at the size and you think he shouldn't really work. But in fact, that's the, that's the kind of really big strength. We were talking about odd job in Goldeneye, weren't we? <laughs> um, like, it's the kind of stuff where you're so sure that you, you get to use that. Is that a shocking thing to say there? Am I going to get in trouble for that? I think it's okay. No, it's a great... Let's use Ray Mysterio. Ray Mysterio is a good example. Yeah. Like, Because I, I never... Like, wrestling's fake. You can tell a story where yeah. a smaller guy can beat a bigger guy and it can be a great yeah. story. Like that's, David versus Goliath. Now, Gresham seems doesn't necessarily to work, always, work out well for David. Yeah, I don't think necessarily tells that story well all of the time. Um... But yes, no. you can tell that story in the technical there is guy a... can wrap his limbs around. Like Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah. does it all the time, doesn't he? Like that is, yeah. you know, his character, skinny, vegan boy, you can, you know, wrap up a big muscly guy because he's got those technical it, skills. It's just that if you look at this card, that match was the least built up like Wheeler U with Daniel Garcia had much more of a build. Um, Mercedes Martinez versus Serena Deeb had as much of a build. Samoa Joe versus Jay Lethal, like you said, the most build out of any of them. And then you have FTR Briscoes, which is like clearly the main event. So like it was the case where he stood out. You looked at the kind of those matches and you looked at the people who are involved and you thought, well, who kind of means more on that bigger level? And you're going to go with Claudio. If you're trying to pitch this as a, as a TV product to Warner Brothers Discovery and you would pitch it around to whoever, you want to show Claudio as your champion. 
walks in there with the suit and everything else. And it's like recognized from WWE has that kind of credibility with hardcore fans, but enough casual fans would know who he is. That's the one that makes the complete sense. And it was dominant because of the boo-boo face, but that's probably best for Claudio as well. Gets to move on. He gets the belt because he came out first. He got the big pop. It didn't take away from any of the other big matches later on. In its own weird way, this may end up working out best for everyone. Everyone kind of gets what they want ultimately. Funny as well, because I, I, you know, with Claudio, like I, as the old school ROH head, I should be the one going, oh yeah, finally he's the champion. I mean, they tried to, they tried to build it that way, and you know that didn't really, <laughs> didn't really tell that story because two weeks later he was champion. But like, I actually mm. don't know how much I've got faith in him being the world champion of a company. Like, I feel like. The thing with Claudio over the years, everyone would complain about him when he was Cesaro in WWE. Oh, he's not getting pushed enough. Oh, it's this travesty. He's not a top guy. I don't think it ever was a travesty. He wasn't a top guy. I think he was... The individual booking, the week-to-week story he was in were often bad or problematic because it was WWE. But his placement in the card... He was just a really good wrestler. I think that's fine. I don't think, I don't think he needed to be the world champion or the top guy. I don't think he ever has shown that potential to be a top guy now you can make the argument it's only roh so maybe it's that and you can you can do it there but was he a better pick than gresham yes but i i think he's gonna have a lot to prove as, as champion going forward but I, and I would agree with you this is the kind of put up or shut up hmm. stuff people have spoken about it for years and this is the way you can kind of trial it but then what is ring of honor at this point in time it doesn't feel like it's any closer to a TV deal. I'm wary of hearing there's negotiations. We've heard this stuff for years and rel- hoping for some second feels like, like power, TV it? to be interested in wrestling. <laughs> yeah, you hear this a lot. It's like press release time. So you're incredibly sceptical. So then is it a pay-per-view company where it's just like a kind of just an offshoot of AEW where some of the wrestlers will be on there and then you can always load it up with Claudio versus Brian Danielson if you needed to and be able to sell that. But it's not really a company and it's not really a world title I'll be defended. It would just be another title on AEW, except now Claudio has one put like along with everybody else. And that's my fear is it still goes out onto, well, there's only three hours of TV. We're going to be showing ring of honor title defenses. It looked like they were setting up, you know, do you go to all out and do you do Claudio and wheelie Utah versus the, versus FTR. If so, what? That's entirely Ring of Honor match on an AEW pay-per-view. And I know these things don't necessarily matter, but if this is just an AEW show, you'd expect me to do an AEW buy rate. And it's 25,000, which I think was slightly less than what we had said. I think oh, I was more bullish. Wasn't like it only 25 on, so. including the online ones? I don't think they've, inc- they've counted the proper pay-per-view yet. Wasn't that the story? Oh, they're not yet. No. Oh, okay. No. So, they're saying that they're in the top four, but profitable for what it is and that's the bigger story as well for bleacher report in the states only being on bleacher report means how many that if warner brothers discovery look at that and go hang on there's a nice little revenue earner here this is where this company can kind of make us some money in the meantime then they'll go along with that yeah some comments in the chat there just want to highlight you know michael saying there. <laughs> Sorry, me vape fell over. Apologies. <laughs> Mikey said uh, he thinks even if uh, Tony Love Gresham is our champion, they have to have a title change on the first rebooted show. Simon saying, yeah, you know, even if he is, you know, a, a known name, you know, 
he is a no name. Sorry, they can use him to boost ROH if it is going to be a uh, yeah. going to be a work rate brand. Sorry, yeah, my uh, my getting all kinds going on here. My cat is trying to uh, take over the stream. Might have to go that oh, route in a sec, JP. You can pull a buster, but uh, longer to longer <laughs> term, <laughs> you look at Garcia Utah mm. as the kind of future for this. Depends what you want it to and be. So, doesn't it? What it what is and it depends. Mm. Yeah. Is it developmental? Because in its purest sense, if it's developmental, then and I don't think it's a bad thing. Developmental done properly, where you're not going to be completely the white like we've we haven't really mentioned it tonight, but the idea of Triple H creating all of these characters and stories and they all get thrown out the window as soon as Vince sees them. And he just thinks, Bearcat, you manage Bearcat. <laughs> you know, that's that's his logic when it comes to those call-ups. You you wouldn't expect it to happen here, but it's a chance for people to kind of develop and be themselves, but they need a platform to be able to develop on. And that's the thing that Ring of Honor really is missing. And, you know, it's another thing to try and flog. I mean, however, on the show, I mean, like, I enjoyed this. Like, I think there's a But you know what it felt like, lot- to the point you're making? It felt like watching... You know, how many times do we come on here and we review like the TNA review that we can go, oh, it's really good. Like, like I feel like the, are they competing for that same space? Is that what ROH is going to be? It's going to be like that mid-tier, mm. yet another Impact, MLW, you know, New Japan Strong, that level of company? Is it, or is it, you know, AW's feeder fed? Is it AW Junior? I enjoyed the show and there's three matches on here that like I will, I'm about to absolutely yeah. rave about, but I still don't really get what it is to your point you know in the in the grand scheme of things if it doesn't get its own tv in its own separate space mm. anytime soon like you know i don't i think you know melts is completely out, out of lunch when he keeps going on about the fact that well they should have just called it aw it's like no like i mean you know they, they, could, they could call they could call every marvel movie the avengers that doesn't mean it's a good idea <laughs> you still yeah. you, know, you want to give it its own universe and its own thing but what is that universe because right now and to the point of the gresham in the cesaro story like it is very much like i mean if you're a dad in the wall not me not no old school roh type guy you're a new school roh type guy was there any good news for you on this pay-per-view you know because like all all your guys are either losing or leaving you know you look at like even the six-man belts like they literally bought those belts back to I mean, the righteous couldn't, you know, couldn't be more obviously a, a one show, you know, from a bygone ROH era, you know, act that there's ever been. And Dalton Castle and the Boys. I like the probably. tune they come out to, though. Right? That was cool. That was cool. But Dalton Castle and the Boys are probably even that. They're, you know, anyone who's not an AW contracted guy is pretty much losing or not getting pushed. It's, it's a bit odd what it is right now. And yeah, you know, mm. those. Maybe maybe the forgetting that there was an ROH fan base coming. Maybe it's right to maybe you know lean into the fact that if this does do better pay per view numbers than than we were all expecting, the very fact that it was advertised on AWTV in front of a, a near million people is enough to sustain this and and make it you know the B place where you just send your ex ROH guys. But I'm still not 100 percent sure what it's supposed to be. Yeah, you've kind of hit it there. Yeah, what is this? Who do, who is it designed to appeal to? Because as soon as these championships aren't on a pay-per-view, I don't really care about them. And that's part of the issue because they're another one that get lost in the shuffle and they're seen as very much junior belts compared to for a company that doesn't have a TV show. Not even like Dark or Dark Elevation is given over to Ring of Honor, which is kind of the thing they should be doing. Doing, like, even if it's a TV show in a studio in Orlando, I think that would at least be something you'd at least start going on storylines and maybe trying to build up like a Willow Nightingale, 
like you know you know that that would be the route you would kind of want them to go down but i mean yeah it's like you said like there's some stuff on here that's really enjoyable but mm. then it then it now it's over so when's the next one going to be what final battle yeah. Or are you gonna is is there a show they can do in between? You're well up on their names oh, and what the major events are. They can dig one out in between. You know, we can do Glory Bayana. We can do something. You know, I don't know. If that's going to be an issue. It's just like you say. Is it just another like standalone show before them? But I will say, it's a standalone show. Very, very much enjoyed it. You mm-hmm. know, it was a easy to watch three hours. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know why it's make it sounds like your house is going to fall down every time you put your cup down. Sorry. That's <laughs> all right. It's My easy. God, I'll put it on the. <laughs> Oh, Christ okay. above. Apologies, people. Sorry. Everyone's worried about you. <laughs> but um... Don't cry for help. It's just <laughs> a late night tea to power me through the last hour. It sounds, it sounds like you'd, uh, you'd passed out before. Uh, JP is uh, is all right, folks, uh, just so you know. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, what I was going to say. Yeah, it was a very good pay-per-view. Like, it was a very easy-to-watch, three-hour show... You know, you get you give me three matches that you know I would go four star and above if the app was up, which is is currently down at the minute, folks. Hopefully, uh, Gareth will be able to uh, to get that sorted in the uh, fingers in the, crossed in the near yeah. future. But you know, it's a standalone work great show. Like maybe it is that. Maybe it is a case of just you know tune in for the pay per view. You, you get a takeover level um, of quality. <laughs> I don't know why it's so as loud. He's moving stuff off the table. I really don't as well. I it think might it's be probably the, the mic um, is right under there. It might just be yeah. the, the, the arm or something. I'll like tie it. I'll move the for, the... for these people watching, for those of you watching on the video as well, you can see I'm just tightening up the mic so it gets the shot somewhat hold in place. Um, and then it moves down. <laughs> and he said we have had be asked working like out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You haven't had... Yeah, that one. Christ above. Still paying for that. I feel like I was cleaning bits of it up still this this week from after fucking clearing out the flap. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I I think from a like, as a work rate show, this is like very much what um, I kind of expected from it. I mean, there's there's a couple of matches I think I, you know I'd argue that Claudio Gresham could have been better than what he was, but then you look at the circumstance behind the match, that was never going to happen given the scenario that had broken up backstage. But like from an in-ring perspective, like, you know, it just, I think like say there were, there were what, the three matches, are we thinking of the same ones? Are we thinking of Yuta Garcia, Roosh Dragon Lee and the main event as being like oh, kind of, and I even think Samoa Joe Jay Lethal for what it was, kind of was good for what it was and it's definitely what that crowd liked and even even Dalton Castle and the boys because I was a bit worried in that zero and I had four matches on there and I know you did a kind of full review with SP3 of uh, True Hill Heat like going through that as well um he, he was getting to live on the other side wasn't he watching a watching a, a, a pay-per-view in UK hours it's like yeah mate 4 a.m Welcome to our on work the next day. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it delivered on all of those. Uh, it delivered on all of those. I don't even think like the women's match was bad per se. Just didn't have the heat. Mm. 
Yeah, it had that AW problem, didn't it? Where, you know, it did feel like people kind of checked out um, on mm. it. You know, and it was, it was a solid match. And I think that's the one actually where if you are an ROH, you know, long-term fan, or at least in a recent long-term fan, you know, at least, you know, Mercedes Martinez won. Um, although it does feel like mm-hmm. it's probably going to be Serena Deeb's uh, division, you know, at some point. Maybe it was one too many titles to uh, to do on the uh, yeah. on, on that same that same night. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm with you. Enjoyed a lot of the the, the action. Like I say, Cla- Claudio and, and Gresham was, you know, a 12-minute match that, you know, felt like it was missing another 10 minutes and felt like it was missing, a you know, a, a, a second wrestler in there who was motivated and wanting to be here to be a, a great match, but it was functional. It was like an ECW main of, like, when ECW would have a world title match booked and then they'd realize one of them gets signed up by WCW and WWE f at the time so they would just put them in a, basically a squash in like the opener and then have a challenger for like later on in the show that's the only thing we were missing was claudio to have a kind of the proper match later on in the show because hmm. it felt very very definitive it did but you know that was that was fine oh and the <laughs> prince nana stuff with tully blanchard what the fuck was all that about <laughs> it's an it upgrade but... i'll i'll take that like i i mean Prince Nana is like on him off. He's a nice uh, link to, to ROH past as far as like, you know, selling, mm. you know, the stable. I mean, Tully Blanchard, like, is anyone going to miss him? Like, he looked like a, no. he looked like a confused old man who wandered out of a retirement home every time he turned up on Dynamite. He just, he couldn't look more out of place and he couldn't, to be honest, it, it was one of those things that slotted ROH is like this lesser than product by, you know, splitting with FTR and now he's got this stable of goons in ROH. It all felt very, you know, low rent really. And I think uh, Nana's a, a million times upgrade on that and it gives it, like I say, it's a nice little um, throwback to, to ROH old. I'll take that. Um, those Tully Bunch yeah. of Enterprises t-shirts that they printed off uh, with him and Gresham on are uh, unfortunately going to be, uh, be going in the bin, but yeah, I'll take that. Plates items. Yeah, that's true. That's true. In um, some weird world where people <laughs> have a demand for those, which I don't know why, but well, I'll t- but I'll take Prince Nana any day, and yeah, you know, mm. he can uh, have a, you know, it's a great, uh, great tribute to her, to Jimmy Raven, the uh, the embassy of the past. Maybe they could uh, bring back a uh, Lil Kim as their uh, their entrance music and uh, go full, uh, go full retro embassy. But I did, I did enjoy that, you know, that element of it, and mm. yeah, I mean, going into the matches you you referenced there is the high points of the show. Definitely got to give it a lot of credit for Daniel Garcia, like he was one. Mm. By uh, by high points of uh, of this show, that match with uh, the pure belt match with it uh, with Wheeler Utah was uh, one I'd go. I think I go maybe three point seven five on um, on the app once it's uh, once it's back up and running. Like I think Garcia, this was my favorite incarnation of him. You know, I've been on record of how I haven't enjoyed you know Kangol Hat Sports Entertainer Garcia. Um, I think that the negative is it doesn't really you know fit who he is both in AEW and outside of AEW, and he's kind of dragged into that Jericho-verse. The positive, which, you know, was a point, you know, when I had, the, I had a bit of a discussion with Alan Farrell about it on Twitter, that I will concede that, you know, it maybe has dragged a little bit more personality out of him than we mm-hmm. would otherwise see. I would like, rather than doing that I'm a sports entertainer nonsense on an AEW, I would, I'm being in that group, I do actually quite enjoy him on th- these ROH shows and in the countdown and in the backstage promo and all the stuff he did where he was basically being the the guy who was like, you know, what the fuck's the deal with this pure division? Why are we adding more rules? You know, he's become like the the anti 
ROH guy. It's like a throwback to the prophecy in a in the early era ROH, and he's right by the way. Like the the pure fucking title never made any sense. You know, I think people. As I said on Twitter on the night, people might well expect taking that to your grave, mate. Aren't you? People might expect me as retro ROH fan to be like, oh yeah, they're bringing Bill Box. No. no, it was crap. It was boring, and the rules were stupid. Like, there's nothing wrong with having a technical wrestlers division, which is what this should be. Mm. Like, if going forward, this is the wheel of youth of Daniel Garcia division absolutely fine with that to be honest it's probably gresham's best slot like if they can smooth things over and have him in this roh i think this is where he should probably be in the card i don't think it's it's unfair to uh to say that but it should you know it was it was a half-baked idea from the start when they brought it into mid-2000s roh what, what's the gimmick oh there's no you get three rope breaks and there's no closed fists i mean Come on, let's go a little bit better. Like, who cares? Like, is it, the problem is every match ended up being, and this is the reason they got rid of the belt in the first place. Wrestlers go for the lowest hanging fruit, and every match gets built on. Oh, there's only one rope break left. Oh, he's only got two rope breaks left, and it never really made for for great matches. However, the reason this match worked here, and the reason there are good, some good pure wrestling matches, even though I can kind of count them on one hand, are the matches where they do something a bit like this, where, you know, the story was that Wheelie Utah didn't want to make any rope breaks because he wanted to, you know, impress the Blackpool Combat Club, and that was a great avenue to them just having a match, and having a great technical wrestling yeah. match, a hard-hitting, you know, kind of you know, few different styles kind of mixed in there, but at its core technical wrestler match and all of the best pure title matches and james will say the same are the ones where they kind of ignored the rules and just went out there and had a great match and that's what they did um and i absolutely loved this show that was a very good uh strong addition to the card and i'd take these to you know rematch and you know for the next couple of years really just go back to this well and make this like the the definitive roh mid-card feud yeah I'm with you on that. I mean, I'd probably go four stars because I really enjoyed this. I mean, I when we did the top 10 um, match of the year show, what, two years ago, I had the hour-long match, the IWTV match between them. And I loved that match. I thought it was absolutely great. It was like my proper introduction to how good these guys were. Now, obviously, this is only 15 minutes, but like you, I love the story of it. I love the fact that the rope breaks weren't really... Uh, an issue there as well i thought it was the i like i thought it was just some great wrestling in terms of the counters that were being avoided to use the kind of rope breaks um i thought as well garcia in this i would say feels to me like i mean both of them as well they both get a great reception but garcia feels like someone who's is like really on that way to becoming a star and it's interesting when we think when we thought about AEW historically with the pillars of who are the younger stars who are coming through which really it feels like these two have gotten over like whether it be and i suppose in willie Uta's case it's quite handy when you've got john moxley william regal and brian fucking danielson to help you get over in some ways like if you can't get over then christ above give up wrestling it's not for you um but i i i love the way it worked i love the idea of daniel garcia wearing the maroon as well and i thought like regal on commentary was excellent during this there was like and the country all night was great, but he got to be like, he worked really well with Cole, Coleman and Rickabonny. And he made a good line at the joke at the beginning. He was like, that's a mouthful as the actor said to the Bishop, like, and 
you know, and I thought that's like I could get down. This is where he's at his best. But he also it wasn't silly. It wasn't like you didn't have the Jim Ross stuff there as well. He's able to talk about kind of a lot of stuff that was working in terms of the when Garcia was biting and going no, like you need to do this in order to get an advantage. I wanted to get nasty in it. Yeah, I just thought this was great. I thought we can lead up to plenty of sequels on whatever platform Ring of Honor appears on on here. Garcia doesn't lose anything. There's a bit of excitement in there. And I thought the build to this, and I know you were talking about this with SP3, just that countdown show was fucking tremendous. And so when you had the sit-down interview, and I know Matty had said he thought it was a bit OTT for him, but for me, this, like, I thought, like, when they were playing up the fact that, and remember, it did happen at the time, Jericho gave Garcia a few grand to his GoFundMe after his, like, horrific car accident. And... That was a big deal. And it's like almost the kind of thing that AEW should have been hitting you on the head with. Actually, this guy kind of feels like he owes him. It completely explains it. And you're like, of course. But it's like they've only just sort of twigged on to that's the case. But yeah, four stars for this. Like, really good. And yeah, you know, this is a rivalry that, you know, I've seen like what feel like they're kind of big matches from it now certainly that IWTV match which I know is out on YouTube and well worth a watch if you get a chance to because yeah you know, we ask what 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 is this ROH but what it can be is a space for Garcia to develop this yeah. character and be this anti-ROH heel be this like strong you know this strong kind of anti-company guy you know even crashed the press conference after the show like I was I got a lot more um, mileage out of that than you know some of the stuff that they have yeah. to do and playing for laughs on AWTV. More of this, please. Um, is probably what I'd say. And to be honest, this this hour of the show was probably the strongest part of the show. You know, we've got kind of into mm-hmm. our our highlights here. But yeah, Uter and and Garcia being in there and being followed up by like literally the opposite match in Russian Dragon Lee. Oh. Like, oh, what a great like half hour forty minutes this was. Because then those two went out there. And Roosh motivated with the power of, fuck, I want to get my little brother a job here. Like, went out there and they killed it. Like, the two of them. Like, it was it was reminiscent of, you know, the Dragon Lee we used to see against Kamatachi. The Dragon Lee and her, we used to see against Hiromu. Like, we used to, you know, rave about those matches where they just go out there a million miles an hour, drop each other on the necks a hundred times. Might explain some Hiromu's injuries, but whatever. And then, mm. you know, maybe not much psychology in there, but fuck me. What a great 15-minute car crash you just got. That's basically what these two lads went out you know, from the absolutely nuts table bump, which was like, I still don't understand how they did it. Like a standing Roosh got put through a table by a suicide dive by Dragon Lee. Like, I still don't know how they, they managed to pull that off. You know, the runner on the... Um, on the, on the apron, some of the other bumps that you know, they were doing off the apron, the bumps they were doing on the floor. This was just a million miles an hour, maybe absent of any kind of real psychology, you know, based on what yep. came before it. Maybe, you're probably right, maybe the previous match, maybe I'm being harsh, maybe that was a four-star match and this was maybe 3.75, but, you know, I'd be tempted to give this just on pure enjoyment, you know, maybe technically it wasn't quite there. You know, this was, you know, I had every much... You know, a great time with this as I did with the with Garcia and you. So it was just, yeah, what a contrast and what a great time. And fuck me, yeah, I forgot that Roosh can wrestle because you know the amount of times I've, uh, you know, me and you have tuned into those it was near end of death ROH pay per views and just gone, oh. don't get him, don't understand him. Why is he the champion? What is he? Um, yeah. Throw him in these matches. I'll take that. Put him in there with his brother, and all of a sudden he's fucking motivated to go out there and kill himself. Loved it. Oh. Well, I think he's motivated by the chance of, and it's born in the fact that Roosh's reward, he's got a match against Moxley 
for the interim title on Wednesday. And I'll be fascinated to see how, because I think this is the fascination of someone who, you know, we never, like the CMLL Rouge, the version who was like very much like the Technico who get booed out of Arena Mexico because he was like the pretty boy. And then there's this sort of like heel who was like incredibly violent, but you'd see stuff of him doing like kind of wild brawls but he'd be getting this mad heat. And we, we've really seen none of this in the US. And admittedly, he was champion during the pandemic era. But I think what we're seeing here is, all right, I want to get I want to get my brother in here, my mates in here. We could be onto a really good thing here in the States because he'll let us work AAA. Doesn't seem to have any problems with us going to, if we wanted to do New Japan and the rest of it. And I think it's very notable that I'm coming back as less fashion in Gobernable because that, helps fully ties them into the new Japan stories if ever there's the tours for that end up coming up and I think that like these are the things that are like kind of interesting side effects but as a match I mean it was kind of mad and a bit all over the place like it wasn't perfect that's like 3.75 for this but it was fucking great fun because you you just don't see Roosh working hard we've seen great Dragon Lee matches but the great Roosh matches really and this is as much fun as we've seen him because he's obviously putting in the effort there as well. And they did plenty of sort of batshit spots. Like you say, that table spot was just, it was kind of weird and brilliant at the same time. And even doing things like, like belly to bellies off the ring apron onto the floor and whatnot, they were perfectly happy to throw themselves about. And you know what? Dragon Lee is a good pickup really for anyone. I mean, I think New Japan, I hate to say it, like that juniors division moving up into the into the heavies is is like a I still think a kind of probably better route from a sort of wrestling perspective. I think Dragon Lee would very much get lost in the shuffle. <laughs> However, if you're trying to think about it appealing to bases and demographics, if you've got Roosh and Dragon Lee and Andrade and then Ray Phoenix and Pentagon you're thinking to yourself in in the kind of most stereotypical way forward, this is how you want to appeal to very much like the Hispanic market. Totally. And I think that'll happen. I think Tony And Tony wants to commentate for those Fulham games. <laughs> Roosh, he's up for it. <laughs> Remember that? As we the... know. <laughs> yeah. It was a core power trying to get him in. Well up for it. Get him in with me in sports. Uh, there you go. You might say, you might fancy that. But... That was on at the hotel in Turkey. Plenty of being in sport <laughs> channels all over the plane. They had everything on. Oh, that's one of them. Wimbledon, cricket. Used to be the one whenever Rugby. you found a, a dodgy link for the footy, it was always a B in sports link. Um, oh yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I think that'll happen. I think Dragon Lee and Rouge against you know the Future Brothers is nailed on. You know, I don't think Tony Khan will be able to help himself now, but use Dragon Lee. So yeah, this shop shop window that uh, that Rouge put him in, I think will uh, will pay off. But I mean, I suppose you know we say there were, there were three uh, great matches on this pay per view to, uh, to 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 highlight. I think the uh, the other third great match, yeah, don't think uh, any surprise here is, mm-hmm. the, is the main event. Uh, two out of three falls, uh, you know, FTR and uh, Briscoes. Uh, where, where did you land on it, JP? It was funny doing. You know, you mentioned a couple of times that show did with SB three was calling it a five star match and a perfect match, and he's not alone. I've heard people saying that. I thought it was a notch below the first one. Um, I think it was. Yeah. 
that's you know that's me starting with a negative for a match that I'd still give what four point two five stars. Um, yeah. I think it's still a very highly rated uh, match for me. I think two out of three falls is just harder by nature. You know, you've got you've got a crowd that I know it's the Briscoes, and you know there is that I love there. Uh, Alan pointing out, you know, Mark's old lines about how we're gonna, uh, oh, it's gonna there's gonna be a sweep and it's gonna be a uh, two falls to uh, for the Briscoes, and the match is gonna be over. That was always a uh, always a Briscoes uh, specialty back in the day, but I don't think any live fans really believe they're actually going to see that and i think the second fall always dips as a result and this was a crowd that were in and out with the action all night it felt like there were definitely moments where i thought they were they were great and then there were moments where you know i think mm-hmm. the, the show kind of suffered for it and i think this match maybe suffered for it a bit they felt a bit tired through this match and it was great there's loads of great stuff to say about it um but maybe i'm yeah caveat it with a negative because i didn't think it was quite as great as the the first time out but you know that is a that is a tough ask and i still think the you know the first match is probably the match of the year if not uh among it but i did think this was a, a worthy successor at least jp oh definitely a worthy successor my thought on it was pretty much the same as you i was thinking 4.25 maybe it will be in the rewatch conversation when it comes to the match of the year so i may end up changing the rate yeah i will say as well i did watch it in the morning is. so if i'm tired yeah. i was tired i was tired you know uh, and it's very much fitting it in in my case of like right this i need like a basically a 45 minutes like slot to watch this properly um, however, like considering it's like, a, you know, that's very high given like wh- what this was, and this match kind of had everything. And I think there's a load of great stuff about it. Like I think in terms of that structure, it is very predictable. However, I think they booked the falls quite well, like, go, you know, especially when it was the sort of flip with, um, Dax, wasn't it? Go it's setting up the doomsday device. I thought it was like the improvised nature of that and the big rig, I think, work well in these two out of three, four matches because you're hitting your bit, you're hitting big moves, but you're hitting them in quite a sort of fortuitous way. Like you don't expect the scenario to happen, and then it does. And I thought, like, then the third fall, they'd kind of saved up a load of the drama. And you had some kind of that's where you had like another wild table bump with Cash Wheeler and um and Mark Briscoe and you know that it's weird like there was a lot of there was blood in it from people's heads but the blood you remember is the blood on Dax Harwood's chest from yeah, the chops that fucking nuts. that's that's fucking nuts and it was like and this is kind of if you're having ring of on a pay-per-views I've been an advocate for a while if you're having more pay-per-views be different have tag team wrestlers tag team wrestling as the main event and this felt properly like the main event and it feels like the main event division because as I think I heard you say with with SP3 these are arguably the two best tag teams in the world like on wrestling and they yeah obviously with a nod to the Young Bucks but Young Bucks haven't been in there really with this haven't had had a chance to have as much of these kind of calibre of matches because I think they had in things like ladder match stipulations and the rest and triple threats and this is like between these two like this is like you go to final battle if it's there I think I'd heard it suggested you do 60 minute Iron Man Iron Men match between them as well. It feels natural for that. I mean, the Briscoes should get a big win at some point. They're tied to the longer term deal. It's whether or not they've done stuff with the belt collector angles with FTR in that point in time. Are they going to be off in Japan for kind of extended series during World Tag League? Is that something that's going to happen as well? I want to see more of this though. 
like, uh, and I think this was like my natural, my instinct after this match was this wasn't as good as the first one, but this was still excellent. So I'd probably say 4.25 now just to be on the conservative side. But if people said 4.5, 4.75, even 5, I wouldn't blame them. I can yeah. get why they would do. It's 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 probably like it's the thing where there hasn't been the kind of distance. If there was like a kind of a television product where they were having these kind of different things and it kind of led to this, but it was like, shit, we've got a sequel to this last pay-per-view and this is the best thing that was on it. So we'll do a sequel to that because that will get some buys. And I think there's some currency in that kind of thought process. Definitely. And, you know, I think doing the uh, the ref bump stuff kind of says, okay, there's going to be there's going to be a third match. Is it going to be ladder war? Is it going to be, you know, how could you yeah. make mistakes from, from what we already done here? But, yeah, you know, I'm with you. You know, if there's anybody out there, you know, screaming that they think this is one of the best matches they've ever seen and was a five-star match, I'm not going to fight anyone on it, you know. I think the fact that, you know, the fact that they went at this level for as long as they did is, you know, commendable enough in itself. The fact that it was, I mean, it was basically, you know, 45 minutes of, of an extremely high level, you know, of wrestling, you know, I, I think that that was in there. It was a, it was an epic, um, and yes, yeah, some so may may rate that that slight bit higher, but you know, there were loads of great bits I, I enjoyed in it. Like you said, the the uh, the, the Mark Briscoe bump to the outside through the table was nuts. You know, that even just the, I think some of my favorite bits of the match were like the, you know the bits where you had like Dax and uh, and Jay Briscoe just you know exchanging hard strikes. Yeah. It's just. Basically, these were four men out there, like it was in the first match, just out there having a fight. You know, four, you know, it was two proper tag teams out there, you yeah. know, trying to win. And there was a great story in there, you know, with the Briscoes kind of controlling, you know, the the early match with the fact that they're veterans of of this type of style, and it taking a while for for FTR to uh, to find their feet. No, none of that stuff was uh, necessarily uh, lost on me, and I thought it was yeah a very very good main event, and probably still of you know the best of the mm-hmm. the three great matches um, on the show. But you know, and it, I think they'll go, but they'll go back to the well again. There'll be a third match, and you know, I'll be interested to see you know with all this expectation that is clearly there, how they how they pull that off because you know they they did go into this with a with all that expectation of the first one too. Yeah, they did. And and to live up to that expectation and not fall flat and also not to feel like it was a retread. Like it felt like a real battle. It wasn't a case of like, you know, and I I loved it. When, I liked it at the end of it when they were just able to just swear their heads off because it was pay-per-view. <laughs> you know, the, the idea you might offend that mythical eight-year-old who's bought a Ring of Honor pay-per-view. Like, who's that fucking kid? <laughs> like, I, I think swearing is the least of the problem. I think it's them ordering pay-per-views on their Todd. This yeah. is more of the problem on there. But like the way that it didn't have that, I like the fact that the kind of the, the plot for this match, the storyline for this match was nicely self-enclosed. It didn't become the self-referential stuff that you had, like say in the Bucks match, which I didn't mind as much, but some people absolutely hated. Um, I think for this one, it just had that feeling of, all right, escalation we know who each are now so we're going to kind of war and yeah like this is something that you do want to end up going back to and it's what other tag teams they add into the mix as well because that's something they're not short of 
I would say they are. Uh, well, at least on the ROH side, because like the- oh, on the ROH side they are. But the, what people they get over from AEW, there's loads of tag teams you could chuck into the mix. They'll need to because I did feel like that was kind of a sign. Like when when Claudio and and Yuta came out at the end, it was like oh that's cool, Blackpool Combat Club against FTR, and it was like oh that's probably because yeah, who else can you put against FTR for these tag belts? Right. Like, you rematch. It's kind of all the belts, isn't it? It's that type mm. of stuff. Which you maybe I don't mind that as a. As a fan of Sting and Luger versus the Steiners back in the day from Super <laughs> Brawl 1, I have no issue with like hey, these kind of... If it leads to more big Dax singles matches, I'll take that too. You know, if that's the yeah. route we, uh, we get there, that'll be maybe that's what it's going to be a, a route for. But yeah, that was a little bit of a sign of maybe the uh, you know the shallow roster. But you're right, there are people he can bring in, you know, but there are teams outside of uh, AEW he can bring in. I'd love to see them. Workhorsemen are, are, are going to be there because they were on the Andy Henry been on, on the pre-show. Yeah, I'm sure that... J.D. Drake from an indie booking to just turn up on the pre-show yeah. maybe gives you a sign that they want to do something more serious with them. Yeah, Trust fund busters. Thing. <laughs> yeah, they're those lads. Yeah, you could maybe do something with them. Um, <laughs> good, love a bit of Slim Jack. Um, but yeah, you know, overall, you know, I enjoyed that as a main event. I enjoyed it as a show. I mean, to quickly yeah. got a few other things to to go through to run down the other stuff we didn't really talk about. Um, and if you got any takes, uh, let me know. I thought you know, Dalton Castle and the boys winning the six man belt was kind of a, you know, it was just a case of getting those belts off uh, off Bateman Dutch and and Vince. Easy, it was easy it was. crowd pleaser. Yeah, it worked, and you know, Dalton Castle getting a, another chance. You know, he is he is someone who you know absolutely thinking those prime NXT years. Like, think of him in Velveteen Dream spot. I think it would have uh, he would have gotten over in full sail. It's a real shame that didn't happen you know, for him. Bateman's the head of the Stray Dog Army in New Japan Strong Banner. Is he? <laughs> I didn't know. That's him, mate. Oh yeah, once a week with Mysterioso uh, and Barrett Brown. The last six months and not know that. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, a for you. I did think, I mean, so that you mentioned it briefly, uh, Joe J. Lethal is like the other, you know, big singles uh, men's match on the show. <laughs> it was fine. I mean, it didn't, it, it was one of them. It felt like, because, you know, it's only a 12-minute match, but there's like five minutes of, it was one of those stupid brawling, ones yeah. where like, oh, there's brawling and it doesn't count because the referee hasn't rang the bell. Like, I enjoyed it in some in some ways because I enjoyed Joe coming out all fired up. It kind of reminded me of, you know, old Samoa Joe. Unfortunately, once he starts wrestling, he reminds you of what current Samoa Joe is, which is a guy who can still go to a certain level, but I think is, uh, you know, is, we're, we're nearing the end of days for, uh, for Samoa mm. Joe. I think he's going to be a temporary TV champion, I think, uh, that he'll end up losing that belt to, to someone else i hate that i hate the jay lethal stable i don't mind sanjay dope with him but you know, i've said that on a few podcasts now like satnam's things never happening like he comes out there he is the least intimidating big man you know this side of all of the other big men like him you know the feckless you know giant silvers of the world your giant gonzalez of the world he's he's that yeah. kind of act and you know I, I'd, I, I, I'll say this. He seems I'll, a nice bloke like John Gonzalez. Well, we know was, from watching, he? you know, that that was our previous film called Bosnia. El Higante uh, to me. Watching him there, lovely bloke coming over to America. Nice story. He's got a really friendly yeah. face. Doesn't work as the big monster. Like, I'd rather, no. honestly, I would rather fight him than Sanjay Dutt in a street fight because I feel like Sanjay <laughs> Dutt could probably, could probably batter me. And I don't feel, I really don't feel that way about Satnam Singh. He doesn't come across <laughs> as threatening in any way. He's just, he's feckless. He's slow. It's never happening. Just let's not bother, lads. Like, I think well, Jay Little and Sanjay Dutt will be better off without him. If you were one of those Ring of Honor fans who probably balked to the idea of Moose when they brought him in and go, no, we can't have these kind of figures turning up in Ring of Honor being married, managed by Vader, Scott, and the rest of it. Well, 
Like that's like this on steroids because I was thinking after this, I thought it was quite strange. I didn't just take the belt off Joe, get whatever money matches you can do on AEW with him in there with your Danielsons and your punks, you know, get that kind of stuff really in there. First challenger for Claudio. You could have easily gone to him for that kind of stuff. And Jay Lethal can do his stable stuff around the ring of honor TV championship. Instead, where do they go with that? Like, like, and I know the crowd liked it on the night, but I was thinking, are we leading to Satnam Singh versus Samoa Joe? Like, like, and you just think, well, yeah, that's, you know, when Gabe Sapolsky like, was envisaging the company, that's the kind of thing he thought, well, at some point we want a big seven foot lad to put like the TV title belt on there. Yeah, it doesn't work. It's one of many, too many factions that kind of knock around the place in the AEW verse. Definitely. Um, but yeah, they didn't love it. was a fine match, you know, average 3.25 star, bang average match. Yeah. You know, that's what I thought, but I thought it might be worse. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And yeah, it did have a pretty, like you said, the finishing stretch definitely pulled the crowd in because mm. both are, are over um, with this fan base. And yeah, so the only other thing we haven't mentioned, yeah, Serena Deeb and Mercedes Martinez, like, yeah, Serena Deeb looked to me twice the wrestler Mercedes Martinez was. Yeah. And as much as. You know, like I said earlier, you want to be, you want to tread that line carefully of, you know, putting your belts on all Tony Khan-led talents. I think he's going to be doing that sooner or later. You know, I think within, before the next pay-per-view, I think Serena Deeb's going to be the ROH Women's Champion. And, you know, maybe you can build a division round and maybe that's, maybe that's the move. Um, that's what it felt like to me. And coming out of this match, it was almost like a, it would have been one too many if she'd have gone over. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I can see the logic for that. I mean, I just don't think Martinez has that kind of kind of crowd connection, ultimately, for it to work. Someone who did on the pre-show, even though she's very raw, is Willow Nightingale. Like, the crowd like her. Mm. And I can see why. She's got very engaging presence about her. If you're a fledgling company and you go, right, let's just go with someone young. Because there is always the thing you can tell that story of she's raw, she's inexperienced, but she's because she's got that kind of size and the personality you go with her and let her kind of grow into the role. Like that would be the route I would possibly see. And you could do that against like a heel Serena Deep. It'd be a much stronger feud. I think there's some really interesting, good stuff you could tell with that. But I think it may, I, where it comes to with Tony Khan's view on sort of women's wrestling is, you need to let women book this division and try and work out what actually appeals, like what would work for a women's wrestling division. That's something so you, could, the, the, you could hand off, isn't it? You know, all of these different he things. He should be Annie Nelf. That's one to hand off that will probably be it. Alison Danger's about the place. Like she knows what she's doing in terms of like building a roster up. You know, get, why not go to her? Why not speak to Dave Prazak? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, maybe there's maybe there's something that could be uh, done there as like a trial for maybe what you can mm. possibly do with the uh, the women's division on uh, on AEW proper. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, I suppose that that's uh, that's the ROH pay per view. All in all, enjoyable little show. Um, I guess we'll, mm. uh, we'll see what the uh, Colt Cabana didn't look happy at the very start, did he? Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he he's definitely suffered. Um, you know, the Tony oh. Khan not wanting to be drawn on uh, whether it was uh, some kind of politics with Punk, which has meant he's. Uh, He's ended up being uh, on the uh, the ROH side or on the AEW side. He talks a big game about mm. being happy he's still in uh, in ROH, but I'm not sure how, how true that is. But 
Speaking of uh, AEW, we should talk a little bit of uh, AEW before it is obviously <laughs> a, a Tuesday night show, so I know people will be uh, mm-hmm. either dynamite in a couple of hours when you listen to this, or might have even already uh, happened, so we'll, we'll keep it brief enough, but definitely got to uh, throw some thoughts out for uh, for dynamite uh, this last week, uh, JP. Um, <laughs> one place to start, and is that shit show of a main event, so we just never do a barbed wire match again. No. What happened there? Like, speaking of feuds, where I bet you they are going to be going to a third match, uh, I was scratching my head with this one. What the fuck happened? It was like, it felt like you know what it felt like, JP on on Dynamite this week. You know, uh, you know when people say, "Oh, there's nothing wrong with um with having you know too many segments on a show." What were you complaining about? Too many things happen on, on a wrestling show. You know what happens when too many things happen on your wrestling show and you don't give times to breathe? You get a main event like this that gets you know short change for time, and you have wrestlers rushing through spots, and you've got. You know, n- never mind the fact that it was a bit of an overbooked mess as well with all of the interference and the malfunctioning shark mm-hmm. cage lock, or you know, maybe it was just a Tycanti can't figure out how to use a lock is probably the bigger problem. But you know, they were clearly out there rushing, which clearly led to you know all kinds of communication issues, led to you know completely diminishing returns. I like, compare this to. Like Kingston and uh, and Jericho from the pay per view is probably my it's going to be up there in my top ten matches of the year at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. This will be up there with my my worst matches of the year because yeah, the the finish was terrible, the booking was terrible, the end of the match. You know, as Simon says, you know, Russo s booking was definitely on display. Marty won't like that yep. thing throwing around, but it was absolutely the case. They were literally, you know. Get Sammy and Jericho running into each other because you know they'd mistimed the the duck one spot, and Kingston was standing around not knowing what to do. And then because they had about three seconds of TV time left, like they rushed onto the apron. And I'm sure it wasn't the original plan for Kingston to do a hip toss to to Jericho to put him through the bar by, but that's what they felt like they they had to do because you know this that felt very WWE. You know, one Jericho goes over, you know, in the that nobody wanted to see that, yeah. but Kingston gets his heat back by doing a half-assed hip toss through a barbed wire and then sitting there on the apron with a with a Jonathan Gresham-esque face on him because he's not happy about how things have gone. It was a fucking mess. Um, and yeah, I, I don't see how anyone's rating this match as anything other than a, that are just a complete dud. Uh, it didn't work for me in any way. And yeah, I think they yeah. got absolutely fucked by time. It's not necessarily the wrestlers uh, in the match's fault, but I just thought this was a, an embarrassment really from uh, from start to finish. Oh, come on, mate. We need Ricky Starks versus Cole Carter for the FTW <laughs> Championship, didn't we? So like, what are you talking about? Plenty of time. Who was 13 minutes. Like a fucking gangster, the one who got Troy. Oh, was it two dimes? Fucking yeah, Donovan. Mm. Yeah, well, he shouldn't have been on the show. Shouldn't have been on the show. Mm. Good for good fellas joke there at this time of night. Uh, yeah, same thoughts as you. I just thought it was an absolute mess. They end up rushing through spots. He had big spots happening, kind of really in isolation because they've just had to go to it. The awful cross promotion with shark week for some of this stuff and i get some of that's unnecessary evil but like when you hear him shouting you're gonna you're going to bleed shark week like like i was a bit like kind of taken out of it from then it it was it was a mess and it wasn't the right person going over because and i'll hold by this like you should be thinking about eddie kingston and main events that's where you should be like i really think that i think there is like that is a character that really connects with this audience and generally, Eddie Kingston matches on pay-per-view tend to be like some of the highlights of the show. And he's never someone we talk about as them as, as being like this kind of 
brilliant match technician and having great matches all of the time. But his matches draw the genuine emotion. And that was weirdly absent here because they were just going through stuff. So there was none of that that was really coming through for me on this. Well, I think the counterpoint and is maybe this wasn't the blow-off and another match is coming and Kingston's going to win that. Saying Then it's gone on too long. But is that good? Exactly, yeah. Is that necessarily like, oh, cool? Because that's the thing. It peaked, didn't it, with if match a, one? And now we're, it's still going. If a barbed wire match with all the other sort of opposing people in a, in a chart cage. And that's the other thing as well, setting up a feud with Sammy Guevara, which is just like a waste of Eddie Kingston. What do you think that's where that's going? Oh, that's terrible. I think so. I think he's going to get signposted off into that for a bit, which is all very depressing. And I think you're going to end up with Ty Conti and Sammy Guevara versus Ruby Soho and Eddie Kingston. <laughs> I think you're going to end up with that. And I think it's a waste of Eddie Kingston because he is that one character who he's so he's different from the others he's genuinely different and that you know in terms of his body shape in terms of how he carries himself the kind of level of intensity for a baby face like he's different to everybody else so treat him differently and he's the one who gets when you put him up there with the other big stars he rivals them for crowd connection now whether or not like you do build up to him having a world title match at Arthur Ashe would be the kind of stuff where he challenges the winner of Punk versus Moxley if that's a thing that's going to happen at All Out. That would be kind of perfect. I think there's a story in that, but I also think there's pay-per-views out of it with with him as well. But yeah, I've had this rant a few times about it and that's what made this main event so disappointing is it just felt like a waste yeah. of yeah. any of the good work kind of building it up. Yeah, and I, I do, th- I mean, I'm hoping that's not the direction we're going and it probably is, you know, Kingston and, and Jericho mm-hmm. in their time. But yeah, it will be diminishing returns. If he gets that big win over Jericho in New York, maybe all can be forgiven. But don't know how much I'm <laughs> motivated to want to want to see that match after after this. Um, what I will say is, on the flip side, what I really did enjoy on the uh, on the show and did a much better job of it. Darby Allen, Brody King, like as far as like mm-hmm. matches that you know had a, a violent element to them and felt like a a real fight. I think that was the absolute reverse you know of this uh you know this the weird storyline with uh with house of black and everything you know aside and stinging darby allen and miro and whatever they're doing there um aside i thought that that was really strong that was probably the highlight of the the show for me definitely yeah i'd give it a, a 3.75 uh star tv mm. match for me um you know a little bit the booking's a little bit disparate with it coming as a result of that battle royal and Brody King all of a sudden is a you know a commodity we should all take uh, take very very seriously. But you know whatever, um, if it works, it works. And the, uh, I thought the match itself was very good. Oh, I thought the match was very good. Like you say, it's a kind of strange thing because the bigger because the other kind of focus or the thing I find a bit more intriguing because I'm assuming these guys had this match a lot of time they had a match similar to this a lot of time on the indies it would make sense they would probably match up really well together at, at that point in time given the stuff that Darby Allen's always willing to do Sting and Malachi Black is kind of wacky like I, I would kind of want to see it as long as Malachi Black is the one going over but the idea of Miro versus Malachi Black it feels like it's the kind of stuff that you should be pushing as kind of like a title eliminator match like it's it's kind of like people who if you win that match, you should be putting yourself into title contention to speak UFC talk. So, um, but I really enjoyed it as a match. I was like, I think to myself three and a half uh, for, for this one, but I thought it was really good TV match, which Darby Allen has a lot of great TV matches. Reliable, isn't he? Mr. Reliable. Isn't he? Yeah, really reliable. 
AEW. Uh, did you have any other strong thoughts on anything else from Dynamite? Not necessarily. I mean, I thought the whole swerve in our glory thing was weird. Like, I thought that was kind of odd. I, I, I wondered whether or not the Luchasaurus Jungle Boy stuff seemed to speed on very quickly. I would love to see a bit of mystery about whether or not Luchasaurus is going to help Christian Cage. Weird, or is that going to be... Or is Christian Cage going to get like a new charge into the mix? Is there another team like, coming? Maybe like, is it was it a fake out? Like, I don't understand mm. that being like. If that's a, if like if if Luchasaurus and and uh, Jungle Boy's grand plan was for at the end of a meaningless tag match for Luchasaurus to step aside and Jungle Boy to run out, like I feel like lads, you should have a better plan. Like, I I, I I'm kind of hoping like they're trying to tell maybe a more complex story with it, and maybe. Luchasaurus has been temporarily drawn back to Jungle Boy, and he really is still with Christian. Um, or maybe it's just, maybe they just hit the reset button. Maybe they were just like, "Ah, oh, fuck it." Where uh, you know, Luchasaurus is better as Babyface. We're not going to bother doing this fake Kane stuff. I don't know. It's a bit odd though. They have enough big guys they can throw into that role as well, uh, as much at the same time. But it is very weird considering how slow it is, and then you speed up on this bit, yeah. which comes back to those kind of regular booking inconsistencies that we're sticklers for when we pick up why could we watch it every week and we're kind of invested in the product, not just hate watching. You know, these are meant to be kind of practical things in order to kind of get up on there. I really think outside of it, it kind of felt like it was it was fine it was like easily watchable but kind of despite i thought best friends versus willie you and john moxley was was fine as much as anything i but like there was a lot of it when looking back at what went on on the shows nothing i really struck very felt very strongly on i really other than the main event it was you know kind of started like that was the thing i felt strongly about this card who was your favorite about rapper Dynamite. on the show was it Kevin Gates or uh, oh, Jermaine Dupree? I didn't know who they were. One of them had slept with a cousin, as far as I could tell. <laughs> Kevin Gates. Well, and also I wasn't, they were, the, they weren't telling the me that. This is something that <laughs> appears to be common knowledge. Be careful to Google Kevin Gates' name, because uh, there's, uh, there's a dog story there as well that uh, even uh, <laughs> even certain wrestling promoters might win. Fits in well in AEW, eh? <laughs> Ba-bum. Fuck that me. old gag. That's, that's a good ba-bum. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's... Uh, a dodgy individual, uh, if you read up on him. And no, even me is like, I'm not, I, I can't say I'm particularly in tune with uh, today's hip hop. He makes his cousins fight and then he fucking Jermaine Dupree's more my speed, uh, even though I was never really that big right. of his music. He's more my uh, my level. He came, he wasn't even introduced when he uh, he came out stood next to Stokely. It was just that bloke there looks a bit like Jermaine Dupree. That's weird. And then he got up. Then once he sat down, he was ringside. It was like they realized he was uh, he was even there uh, <laughs> with the Jade and that. But yeah, he was definitely the uh, the picker the uh, the picker the two for me. Um, I thought he said Jermaine Defoe there for a second. I thought he's. <laughs> He's not really a charismatic presence, is Jermaine uh, Defoe. That's another JD, you know. He's a uh, <laughs> similar height and build, you know. Good penalty box poacher, though. Should have gone to the 2000 <laughs> and, uh, and six World Cup. <laughs> Always liked him, Jermaine Defoe. Um, good FBL asset, um, even down to the Swanson <laughs> days. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm with you. Like, Other than that, like it was very much a dynamite. I think as things roll, and you know, Tony Khan was quoted today saying, you know, we're getting to a point now where we might actually have all our big draws back. Danielson's going to be on dynamite this week. Can't wait for mm-hmm. that. Um, and, and, and speaking of the praise, you know, we were heaping on Daniel Garcia earlier. Like, that's a that's a great little match for him. Um, I think we need to do that now. We need to re- recognize the fact that Brand Anderson might need might not be for this this business forever. 
just fucking get your most out of them while you can. I'm not saying get, 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 send them out there and, you know, headbutt himself into oblivion, but give them some fun TV matches every week, you know? We don't need we don't need necessarily as much fun as those Blackpool Combat Club multi-mans were early on. You know, that's not your optimum, you yeah. said, Brian. Get Brian out there wrestling the whole roster for the rest of the year. And, you know, yeah. you'll get less complaining about Dynamite from me, so, you know, that's a win for everybody, but that'll be a, <laughs> a, li- that'll, that'll be a winner. <laughs> I'm just imagining Tony Khan looking over at Wheeler U2, just shakes his head and goes, no, he's doing multi-mans with me. The job <laughs> is to get me over. That's what that's what these boys are here for. Oh, but hey, it's good to hear Tony talk him up as like, you know, the big four. Uh, I don't know what who the four is, what, Brian Punk, Omega and Moxley? Is that, Moxley? What, he's, is that what he's saying? Yeah. Not Hangman then. Um, okay. Um, but, you know, it'll be, it'll be good to... Who fills the, the, the Arsenal role of fifth? <laughs> yeah, hang that definitely ha- hovering around hang those uh, those champion oh, league paces or you know Eddie King's flattering to deceive. <laughs> Eddie King can get to Europe. Well, maybe not now with then. Gabriel Jesus. But, the odd oh, cup final. <laughs> it all kind of works. Uh, Simon's just googled the dog story, and I'm I'm sorry, mate. Uh, I apologise. Um, <laughs> it's a mistake. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I do think positive positive things are on the horizon as far as like uh, big matches. Yeah, and I know I made another clatter on this table, which I don't know why is causing absolute fucking carnage. But yeah, um, it, 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 it's the thing now where you want to see them. And then, you know, we were speaking about this earlier on. You want to put your best foot forward, start booking some of these big TV matches. Indeed. That was it. That was my, that was my big statement. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, we'll we'll see what uh, what happens going forward. But yeah, looking forward to uh, to seeing uh, Dynamite this week. But yeah, what else you been watching, JP? Anything uh, anything else of, uh, of note? Well, bit of G one. Hmm. I've like kind of had it on as I've been doing the painting, um, and I, there's been some good matches on there. I mean, there's some things on there that I mean, I've obviously not had a chance chance to rate these yet. But like the, uh, I thought even the match from today. Because there was a car today, there's one tomorrow. I had to make sure to watch it because Filthy Tom Lawler made his debut against Lance Archer, which was fine. I mean, I would say that Tom Lawler's kind of getting over with these live crowds as a baby face. He's doing his clap along. He's really thought, it's like, here is someone who's thought, when I go over to Japan, I'm going to do this. When I end up in New Japan, this is exactly what I'm going to do. And I think it's kind of working. Because I think he's getting these kind of baby face responses. But I would say there's been some interesting stuff the problem is again this is the second week we've spoken about the g1 and the standings are really insignificant because some people have only wrestled once a couple of people have wrestled three times they're setting up a story where naito's lost his opening two which in a block of seven you've only got six matches which means he would have to win the next four in order to kind of run the table but it was that was the only real that was the drama they had for him versus tanahashi which was a match that you in your head, Benno, the match you're running between Naito and Tanahashi in a G1 with a clap crowd is exactly how you'd imagine it to be, which is in terms of it, it's very good and they know what they're doing. And there's the interesting bigger story of these two guys kind of raging against the dying of the light. Because even though Tanahashi has the long-term injuries and he's older, Naito's injuries really feel like they're catching up with him. I mean, him getting injured again is like a regular occurrence. Whereas I know the first like first time when he did his knee, that was like an, an absolute disaster for it. So that was actually a very, I thought that was a, a very good match in there. I'd recommend Kenta versus Zack Sabre Jr. from, I think that was day three. Was it day two, actually, on that one for that? Um, and I, yeah, Juice Robinson versus David Finley today 
I thought was there was a good bit of fire to that. I think because Kurokan kind of got into it as well as much as anything. And I had shades of when David Finley had that good run in the New Japan Cup, got to the semis against Will Ospreay, and you thought, oh, actually, they might be doing something here with him. It felt like there was some heat on this. And actually, there was a bit more of a kind of step up there as well. There was a, a little bit of bullshit, but that was kind of generally fine. Um, looking back on some of the other matches I've seen, this is the issue, the downside. of I mean, Ishii versus Jay White was kind of what you would expect. And it had this very weird Jay White promo where he spoke to the crowd in claps rather than words. And he got I one of the that. young That boys. was so uh, funny. That was. And it was cle- it's clever. It works in this clap crowd era. It's interesting to see how he changes to when they're back shout, uh back being able to make noise and and the rest of it. I thought that was that was a good match. I think for that one I'd be going 3.75. I thought Shingo versus Yoshihashi was um was a good match. I thought I thought like Yoshihashi really put in a performance and it kind of really felt like it kind of dragged out a bit, but Yoshihashi has quietly got that kind of crowd on side where the idea of him being in a G1 is like I'm okay with that because I know he's going to be eating a lot of the pins and everything else. But I actually thought it was it was a good match uh, um, as much as anything. So that, they're the two matches from that one. That's day four. Yeah, and like I say, yeah, day five, really only Tanahashi versus Naito. I ended up watching stuff like ELP versus Yujiro and Yana having far too much offense against Takada as well. So, oh. And the problem was, as I was covered in fucking pain, so I couldn't go anywhere near the phone at the time. I was like, oh, Christ, I'm going to have to tolerate this shit <laughs> until I can get the, the white spirit out. Um, but yeah, it was so, so far, I've managed to keep up to date with it. I couldn't tell you any of the standings, because like I say, a lot of it's kind of completely meaningless. Um, but it's it's been okay but it's not G1s as we used to remember. I'm not going to be raving about this and saying, oh, what the stuff do you absolutely have to see? That kind of match of the year, Belter, we've not had that yet. Going to get it um, with this lineup. And are we going to get it? <laughs> uh, there's some good matches in there in those uh, those lineups coming up. But yeah, I mean, while you were uh, catching up with uh, with G1 over the weekend, I was uh, I was live at some Brit Rest shows this weekend, mate. I saw uh, mate all over Brit Rest, Mister Brit Rest. <laughs> saw all of the uh, the Brit Rest uh, action this last week. It was a TNT on uh, on Thursday, which was uh, which was a good time. Um, I was at Rev Pro on uh, on Sunday, which was good. I mean, it's it's back, mate. Apart from the fact that like. You know, three companies, you know, went out of business this week and wrestlers mm. are talking about uh, possibly doing shows for free just to be able to fund these companies uh, still existing. Um, yeah, I think there's uh, every reason to be, uh, to be positive over it, Rez. I mean, I'll keep it very brief just because we're, uh, we're running uh, low on time. But, you know, I did I did have a good time at TNT on Thursday, i got to say. Um, you know, you, you go to mm. a TNT, I think, with a... With a a lesser expectation of uh of the you know of what what you're going to get compared to if you went to a you know a big name or a rug pro or a even you know in, in this at this stage of the game uh progress show but got to see uh scotty hottie mate have his uh have his rematch <laughs> with uh with g money um same shenanigans as last time i'd forgotten he was on the show to be honest um he wasn't the uh the draw for us this time the uh, the big time draw of uh of european wrestling scotty hottie he got his uh got his son involved in the match mate and uh his son did, oh, uh, did the win. um he was apparently on i saw him and his son doing a tour of the country and there's like um 
pictures of them outside Anfield and Goodison and yeah, doing the uh, the big tour of the, uh, the D'Lo Brown tour of British wrestling. Oh yeah, yeah. Simon asked if I got my mark, but I didn't with Scotty Hotty. They were charging a tenner ahead, and let me tell you, JP, the queue was big. Mate. Um those attitude era stars, you know, still uh, still do the business with the picks. I managed to get one with uh, with friends of the show Robbie X and uh, and also uh, friends of the show. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> Speedball Mike Bailey at the uh, at the Red Pro Show, maybe one or both of which will make it into the uh, the show images for today. But. Well, there's a direct quote from him. He was like, "I, you know, I love grapple. I follow. <laughs> he followed like a lot of the, you know, the fact that he's he's up there with some high ratings this year. Hopes he wins Wrestler of the Year. Wanted to give a big shout out to Gareth. So don't worry, Speedball fella. There's there's plenty <laughs> of ratings up there. Whether or not you win, that's not up to me. That's up to maths and other people. So. <laughs> It is an issue, but yeah, I mean, I, I'll say t- like TNT kind of sold me, and I was mentioning it on the weekend show until we got uh, interrupted mm. by the uh, the big uh, the big Vince McMahon news. But like, they had a, I suppose you would, I mean, it was it was an ultimate X match um, in the end, and they were very smart about it. They did the, they didn't advertise it ahead of time because I don't think they were certain to be going to be able to get the. Uh, the structure up it was kind of like advertised as like a multi-man you know project x match but with no real you know clear idea of uh, what it is and to be fair some did a good job getting the structure up jp it looked uh you know it was it was tna-esque maybe a little bit lower than uh, you'd get in uh in, in tna but you know as far as getting to see a, a match that was uh that was like that and uh in brit res you know you don't uh don't often often see those type of uh structures set up you know they spent a bit of money for it Oh, good luck to them for trying that. I mean, I, I get the idea of them not trying to kind of push. I get the idea of that would have worked pushing an Ultimate X match. But like you say, this was, this was, they, they wouldn't have been able to do it in that old venue that oh, you used no. to go to. They, they wouldn't have been able to do anything like that. So maybe they'll actually start promoting it. If this is like the little test, or go, actually, we can do X Division matches, which means they'll do too many X Division matches as we. No, this is always the way we'll that it get kind of worked. Than, yeah, through the year now, they know they've got the structure working. But yeah. I would say that, you know, the lads that made it, because the, the, the show was built around, like there was a tournament and everyone who, the four lads who won those uh, those X, X matches kind of ended up in this in this Project X. Uh, they, they were like the semi-finals and the four-way was the final. Um, Callum Newman was one of the surprises for me, not going over and not mm. finding his, uh, his way to the final. Leon Slater um, was somebody who, who looked um, good on the night for me as far as like a, a younger flyer type if you're looking for a positive uh, okay. signs of uh, of wrestlers in Brit Res. He put Nico Angelo over on it who appears to be like the third member of the Lycos trio or something. That's kind of what I was getting right. from it. Didn't uh, didn't hugely uh, have a, a massive takeaway from him but the match I did very much enjoy in the show. They had uh, Joe Lando and, uh, and Maverick Mayhew uh, go out there. Remember Maverick Mayhew used to uh, Yeah, with team with Connor Mills. Yeah, with Connor Mills, sorry, uh, all those uh, all those uh, years ago. Um, don't know don't know where he disappeared to but uh, he turned up on, on this show and those two lads um, Joe Lando and him just went out there and like I said it at the time, they understood the assignments. They understood that what they were out there to do was to go out there and do a flippy moves match on a you know an X division type theme show, and just go out there and just have a silly match, have a 
you know, an early CCW juniors match or, you know, a, a scramble opener type that you get on like a, an early ROH show type match. And they did it, you know, a lot of, a lot of wild um, spots in there and a imploding avalanche dragon Rana was the, uh, the finish from Joe Lando. Um, Why? Yeah. It looked, it looked better. I'll say it looked better in the building than it, that it did in some of the, uh, the, the gifts I've seen since from the, uh, good new building as well. Demand, what you're but... saying near the Baltic market. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, the uh, the, the camp and furnace they used, which is uh, like a bit of a gig venue slash they run uh, they run the uh, the old uh, the old bingo there, the bongos bingo, and um, there it's uh, <laughs> the bongos bingo. <laughs> yeah, have you ever seen it? Where like you know, like uh, all, all, all all the lads or girls from work will go to it, and it'll be they'll all be like stood oh, on a yeah. table, you know, singing songs, and there's all like interactive rounds and stuff. It's fucking everywhere now. Um, that's where it started, um, or at least one of the venues in Liverpool where it started. Uh, but no good venue probably a little bit too big for what you know tnt will draw for a, a regular show because you end up with that problem where the ring's on one side and it's like half of the space is full mm. and it means sound doesn't travel great and it doesn't really you know help with the atmosphere but overall yeah good venue and if the i don't think they've got it for the gcw shows coming up but if they can get it for the GCW better for that shows, I think they'll be uh, they'll be better off but yeah, wound up uh, there, and then yeah, obviously a uh, Rev Pro on a uh, on uh, had a good had a, had a good night all in all. I'd say I got my money's worth. Twenty five pound, a little bit steep um, for uh, for for TNT uh, in Liverpool, but like Gareth will always say, knock off your uh, your training, your travel, and if you live here, you know you can probably justify that. But definitely on the uh, yeah the more uh, expensive side, at least for the uh, the level of talent you got, Scotty Too Hotty aside. Um, but yeah, at Rev Pro as well on uh, on Sunday. Um, Definitely a, a jump in uh, in quality, you know. All of a sudden, you know the the younger lads that you see in uh, on those uh, on the on that TNT show, you see uh, bits and uh, pieces of, the, of them on the show. Obviously, there was a you know man like Darius was uh, was on both shows, Callum Newman on on both shows. But yeah, the uh, Repro show was a weird one. Um, you know we all visited we were all at the uh summer sizzler show last year in manchester it's become mm-hmm. i suppose a, a tradition for them to be doing this in manchester i'm surprised they're not um you know running more often um and taking advantage of the fact that maybe you know progress have kind of lost a, a lot of foot and as being the northern um you know uh, promotion or the promotion that runs uh runs manchester as far as big national promotions go but i would say attendance felt slightly up on when we were there um if, okay, not, we was... if not level um what are you gonna say JP? did we say about 400 or so yeah at the one we were at last year yeah something like that maybe i, I could i think maybe it was five six hundred i would probably more say but it was equivalent anyway to you know to whatever the number was last time so not not a drop and if anything it felt like a bit of a a minor increase i think mainly because of pack like that is one thing i will say they mm-hmm. built the show around the fact that the pack was there um and you could feel it you know a lot of aw fans in the crowd a lot of aw chants a lot of aw t-shirts like those you know the, the second day it's AW, chance comes over here you know it's going to be an immediate sellout there's an undercurrent of people who can't wait for aw i think pack sold those tickets for that red pro sheffield show as well liam brought up a point earlier on in the chat where he said about is, is it a bad shout for tony khan to book ring of honor over here because it's a way of doing like a dummy run for an aw tour to see okay we'll put a few aw names in there we won't put all the big guys on there but we'll see what it does maybe maybe you know maybe, maybe. But like i can see the pack helping as well because yeah there is that demand isn't there to see anyone from aw and as soon as rev pro are able to gain access to even some of the undercard people 
Like, mm. that'll be good. I wonder whether they might have benefited more from, I don't know what, I genuinely don't know the, the background as to why Pax Opponent wasn't advertised until, you know, the Friday before they said they were doing this um, six-way scramble match to, to give an opponent. So it was literally just, you know, if you want to say pack through the house, it literally was pack versus question mark. You know, it wasn't like there was a big pack mm. rematch that, that sold the house. Maybe something fell through. Maybe they were waiting on AEW. Maybe this was always always the plan. But it did seem odd because they had the opening six-way scramble with Robbie X, Ricky Knight Jr., Connor Mills, Therese, Will Cruz, and Callum Newman in it. And I think everybody in the building just presumed that if not Ricky Knight, because, you know, he's got the, the Osprey stuff coming up and maybe you can't have him losing a mm-hmm. big main event to pack. I think most assumed Robbie X was probably going to be going over looking at the rest of that lineup. And I don't know. I mean, to be honest, I would have been, although it creates an issue with, with your, your storytelling, if you're going to, if this match is going to appear somewhere for AEW, I know the OTT match went on dark last night. Probably want to give that shot window to a Ricky Knight Jr. Or I know you couldn't tear up your cards, but you know a Michael Oku. Or I just don't know whether Conor Mills was really is he's a good he's a good wrestler, but I don't know if he would have been my first choice's shot window. And I don't know if it worked that well at being Manchester either, because I do think it's a weird crowd setup. Because you know all these tickets are sold pretty much to you know. Online fans like us, Twitter fans, Facebook fans, Facebook fans, people who have uh, heard the buzz about Rev Pro or, or know about the shows, but it being north, and I think we you probably noticed this last year, guys who are over with that Rev Pro hardcore down south aren't necessarily as over when you come up north, and it did feel like Connor Mills was maybe lacking in that department. He didn't feel like the big babyface Rev Pro challenger to go up against Park. He didn't. Yeah, I, don't, I just don't think. He's quite at that level. It was just, a, a, I think, most people I spoke to on the day, you know, your, your Ogdens, your Chris Lene and, and others who were there live, I think most of us were kind of scratching our heads at it, at it being Connor Mills who kind of got this mm-hmm. slot. It was a, a fine main event, you know, it was a, a it's a pack main event, isn't it? It's always going to be of a, of a certain level, but I can't help but think it might have been something a bit more special and a bit more worthy of the villain if this does end up on like AEW's YouTube or on TV somewhere if it was Robbie Axe in there or if it's impossible mm. at Ricky Knight Jr. Yeah, I could see your point on that one. There's a part of me as well that it's it feels like these are very much showcases, isn't it? So I mean it's like LJ Cleary being on there. He's always, you know, in some ways he's he's probably more like the Michael Oku of OTT, isn't he, in some ways? Like that that's the kind of comparison piece for that. Yeah, I think it's probably more the pack on AEW defending in Rev Pro with a Rev Pro logo rather than necessarily like a few very like you know some clips of Connor Mills, you know Connor Mills himself. It might help with a few bookings, and I kind of like the show of faith because I often feel like with Connor Mills, he is one of those people who gets like really overlooked in many ways there's always people kind of passing him in in an ideal world you'd want a luke jacobs or an ethan allen ethan allen in that and if luke luke jacobs is winning the cruiserweight you know that would have been your perfect scenario if you were going to do that if you're going to go with with someone like that i mean yeah maybe i I was interested if there was one available if ethan allen wasn't yeah will cruz is a heel isn't he i mean and that would have been like that would have been the only other route. And also I think you'd want to have like kind of an underdog baby face, someone who physically looks smaller than Pac as well. But 
Well, you know, like I say, to to the credit, you know, they used it. You know, there was a we were, you know, by the end of the show, sat like second slash first row, kind of stumbled our way into, and right in front of us, you know, they had they had Kip Sabian there with the box on his head, um, kind of standing up and challenging there, or like just kind of doing like a face to face thing with uh with Pac. So you know, you know that video will make it where to AW TV in some form, and I reckon that you know the Connor Mills being in the spot, the thing thinking probably was you know it bleeds into the michael oku story nicely you know and sets up you know that for the uh for the york all uh weekend though with park so i'm sure there's a, a method to, to to what they were doing but yeah wasn't wasn't necessarily expected but did very much uh enjoy that opener um as far as a big kind of uh flippy uh six-way uh match went and yeah ricky knight jr was out there just fucking chewing scenery it was like if this is all i've got for the night i'll uh i'll make sure you remember it. i thought he was a highlight and I, I quite enjoyed one of the i've seen will Cruz a couple of times but not not that often mm-hmm. someone i hear raved about and he is someone who offers something different as far as being a a big man on the uh on the british indies i was uh definitely impressed by him um to blow through the rest of the car there uh, show through mino yosasuji was fine went too long for me um Rimmel at least looks uh you know motivated and in a better shape than he did the, the last time we uh, we saw him and you know coming off that jericho performance at the pay-per-view he's you know probably uh not long for uh for brit res i i'm wondering if he's back at the end of this g1 it feels like he's done his stint he overseas ready. he looks ready he kind of looks ready mm. it's going to be weird because he's going to have what I imagine to be of injury not permitting a quite story career in New Japan because of simply the relationship with with Red Shoes, having his dad there as the the kind of long term referee. There's so much stuff that plays into it. Him and AEW, he's he's, he's always going to get those kind of responses, and we've kind of seen him and gone, yeah, all right. We've been quite down on it really for, for the vast majority of the time, but I think as well, he's, he's like he needs to be. You, you just need to go with it you need to see what happens and the you know there's so many stories of people coming back from excursion like just don't saddle him with the daft gimmick just saddle him with the gimmick that he is now he's Shota Umino who kind of looks like a like a younger Tanahashi that's clearly that's the thing that they've been going for it what they're leaning into oh god yeah and that's what they need to do did think Gideon Gray was a lot of fun in that one on the on the outside. Definitely underrated the uh, part of the uh, the live experiences him at the uh, at these shows. But yeah, other high, I mean, I'd say a low light would be uh, unfortunately uh, like seeing like us Jim again <laughs> against such a machine there. Their shenanigans with the tape and all that stuff. I just can't. Be, I haven't got time in my life for for like us Jim. I spent a lot of that match uh, at the bar and there uh, and outdoors. But I'd say that the highlight of of, of the show, like I think for me, uh, Mike Bailey, uh, Francesco Akira was definitely uh, an early highlight. You know me, I love anything Mike Bailey. Um, very much uh, enjoyed them. Like kind of having a, a hard kind of hit and battle. It definitely stood out amongst the, uh, the the matches uh, lower on the card uh, Francesco Akira being a you know a new Japan guy and uh, I feel like Red Pro is like the United Empire promotion now like that's all they're the new Japan guys they get um, at the moment and that you know that whole stable is kind of running things there like I think being part of that stable is definitely helping his his confidence and his poise and he looked like a, definitely a, a better wrestler for you know that experience he's had so far in new Japan so very much enjoyed that match of the night was absolutely uh, Michael Oku and Luke Jacobs definitely want to mention that um, before we go. That was, like I said earlier, that was the mm-hmm. 
maybe a, not a lesson learned. I think last year they had some very specific story stuff they were doing with the young guns and um and Osprey and, and, and all of that last year. So you had maybe a despite it being Manchester and a partisan crowd last year, they there were definitely heelish elements, especially at the the end of the match to what Luke and uh, and Ethan were doing. This was pure babyface. Um, Luke Jacobs going up against Michael Michael Oku, who's you know been cruiserweight champion for you know long enough now and is. You know, it's time to move on, and this felt like perfect booking as far as like one when you want to get that belt off of Michael Oku and move him on to bigger and better things. You know, he's past the point of cruiserweight champion at this yeah. point, but two crowning somebody who's going to be one of your next guys and Luke doing it with Luke Jacobs in Manchester in front of this crowd. Like I was there, this crowd were living and breathing by like some of the uh, the near falls in this one and were bang into into Luke Jacobs um as an act and you know that again there are a lot these there are a lot of young wrestlers in Brit Res who've been, you know, plopped in positions that they're three years too young for and the young guns as good as they are maybe fit that descriptor a little bit but you know as far as still swimming and keeping their head above water you know they are and luke jacobs absolutely is and yeah there was some great like hard hitting stuff some great near falls in here he's got seen him up close great facials um from luke jacobs and just like just positioning and all those little things that you know uh, wrestlers love he's he's a he's a pro's pro and he's Feels like he's a he's a can't miss prospect. Let's hope it, it continues in this direction. Did laugh at the uh, the uh, he did like a post match promo. We were like, I, I know I'm I know I'm the heavyweight uh, the super heavyweight champion in another promotion, um, and I'm the cruiserweight champion here. And he didn't actually get to quite finish that thought. <laughs> but like, there's just that. don't, mate. Leave it hanging. <laughs> Say nothing. Ride it out. It's a it's a weird state of affairs like this is the level he should be at and making him like you know well progress i've done with him is probably an example of you know car before the horse i think this is this is an end title winning rev pro and a spot he should be on the show um as opposed to like yeah progress where like atlas champion feels you know maybe a step too far for him but great match this is the one i'd recommend people check out on vod i would give it four stars live and thought yeah oku was great in the match as well he, he they've got um amira now accompanies them to to the ring and yep. red pro full time she's great on the outside as well and um, there's a couple of spots uh, like belt spots that could have come across hokey that were uh that were well timed uh with them too as well just all in all a joy like i say i, I heard uh neil on uh, voices of wrestling who was uh live there for this one raving about this one and yeah everything he said is true this was this was great and did feel like a, a luke jacobs coming out party and like i say perfectly timed for you know being in manchester for it they're setting up this is where we look at like this is the the consequence of the hard work they've done over the pandemic as well about the younger wrestlers they're going with because they're putting their stock it really seems to be Jacobs Oku like Connor Mills to you know to a degree obviously Ricky Knight Jr there as well Sunshine Machine like these are all younger talent in a way that they mean something in Rev Pro and then when they turn up on other shows and other cards and they're just sort of thrown into it. It's just like, yeah, well, they're just sort of lost in the shuffle. Whereas here, each of their matches, are, they're like little highlights as well. They're not like having, you know, having Luke Jacobs just in a standard match against an import. It's like, well, let's do something with him in Manchester. And let's build this Manchester base because as Will said earlier on, I mean, it's, it's an area that used to be served with almost too many promotions. And now there really isn't that many. And you strike while the iron's hot. 
with yeah. with someone like Luke Jacobs there as well. And I thought the Ethan Allen stuff coming out as well, because that sets itself up nicely as well, about where you want to go with them in the future as well, when he's back in there. And if they'll well, if they bring him in, and this is the other thing, I like the fact that, you know, we were imploring Rev Pro for a long time to use Luke Jacobs. Look at the value they're getting. I'm, I'm liking the fact they're using Will Cruz. Maybe they'll bring in Brady Phillips next as mm. well. There are lots of, yeah, there are loads of interesting wrestlers. And it's one of these things going, you can make a real play for this part of the world, like to having a good, like sustainable business and coming back. It just like with all British venues, British wrestling venues these days, sort out your fucking bar <laughs> rather than giving people dog piss to drink. Yeah, Carlsberg was a was a rough choice, but uh, I'll still take it over a, over queuing at York Hall. It was uh, in and out of the bar, so at least there was that. But no, but just quickly, the only other things I'd, I'd reference on the show. I mean, there was the small matter of uh, Aussie Open velocities uh, on the show. Yeah, if I didn't leave with that, that's the the reason is I didn't think much of it. I think it. Uh, I don't know whether it was the crowd or the wrong spot for it, or I don't know. I think that. Aussie Open style and the style they've done in these matches in the past of, you know, it's basically your old Chaos Angle match structure. You know, you get your near falls and then it starts to get silly and then you're like, okay, I'm over this now. And there comes a point in these Aussie Open matches where you're over it and then they pull you back in and then they, and then they go to another level and then there's even more silly kickouts and just something about it works. I felt like the magic was missing a bit with, the, with this one. Whether it was the crowd miss, you know, kind of not really being too familiar with velocities. You know, there was a couple of yeah. attempts to get chance going for them that didn't really go. And it it felt like me as well coming after the Luke Jacobs stuff. Maybe the crowd were tired. And a tired crowd in that venue can be really obvious because it is, like I was saying about TNT earlier, when you've got a big cavernous place like that and the Manchester crowds aren't always the best for Rev Pro. It did feel a little bit like, yeah, the match got dragged down a bit by a crowd that wasn't really massively into the near falls. It felt like there were two or three too many, which again, I know is by design, but it just didn't work for me as far as like, you know, that, mm. that you know, going to, you know, going to the, those lengths and, you know, it pulled people back. It just didn't happen, really. It felt like a, like I say, it's a tired crowd that wasn't into it as much as you'd expect. Maybe it'll fare better on VOD, you know, maybe the reverse of the way some of these matches have felt in the past where, you know, people rave about it live and the VOD doesn't capture that magic. Maybe, you know, the, the stuff that they were doing was better on VOD. But yeah, didn't love that. And I thought I'd go there and there. I thought I would. Uh, yeah, I was wondering why you hadn't mentioned it. I was like, I was pretty sure that match was on there. And if it was great, you'd have been talking about it. But it was like, when he said, like, match, I was like, oh, okay, something's not clicked here. But that can happen. Yeah, three and a half stars. And yeah, if you don't have the crowd in a match like this, I think that, that becomes... Well, could have been where I, was, where I was sat and where I was. It could have been that too. And it could be coming up there. Stick with the velocities, though. Mm. Stick with them as a, like... In principle, it was a good that... idea. It was a good idea to yeah. this match on this show. Um but yeah, that was that, and yeah, and like I say, Pat Connor Mills was a uh, you know serviceable main event. You know, again, as I said about Connor Mills, uh, but yeah, great to see Pac live, massively over, megastar in this country, and yeah, hopefully, uh, we're gonna get some more use out of him going forward. Yeah, good. I hope so. It sounds like a really fun show. I was kind of like, quite wait. jealous seeing you like that. I was like, bloody hell, fire. you doing your whole like, next month? Uh might well be. Yes, I don't know which of the nights though. Are you doing both of them? Probably, yeah, most likely. I've got to drive my dad to the airport Monday morning, so I won't be staying over Sunday night, but almost certainly yeah. the, uh, the Saturday night. I don't know about the Sunday yet, but yeah, pretty sure. Okay, 
the Saturday seems like the fun one then in that case. Might be that. It's, it's bloody problems of like getting back and the rest of it. Do do I do do I stay over? Do I it's not worth my while going back to Oxford and back and I fucking hope not to do that. Cool. Stay in an Airbnb, which might be the bane of my life, but that's another <laughs> conversation for another time. Let's see what they announce anyway. But no, fun time, yeah. worth my money. Um, and yeah, definitely uh, these big uh, Manchester shows are just wish there were a couple more of them. But yeah, yeah. moving on from uh, from there, JP. Anything else to uh, to mention? We're uh, dangerously close there to isn't... our point, but... I... Break, um, break with the ballroom brawl because I know that that was on this weekend on Fight TV. Haven't seen the um, oh, is my computer completely stalled? I can hear you, but I can't see you. <laughs> oh, he says, Oh, hello, yeah, I can Am hear you. Am I back now? Yeah, you're back. All oh, right, I didn't know what was going on there. I thought I was surprised my computer had lasted this long, to be honest <laughs> with you. Short answer, no, I haven't got anything else. So I've only just squeezed in to watch this week. There's stuff I should catch up on, though, including stardom as well. Any plugs before we go? Um, oh, in terms of plugs, I'd say patreon.com forward slash grapple. We've had loads of stuff on there from the, uh, the previous month. I know we're going to be doing a... And I should be letting you talk about that for next Thursday. I won't go go into that. Um, I won't steal your thunder on that one. But yeah, patreon.com forward slash grapple weekend show. I know we're going to be doing yeah, Street Fighter um, uh, movie review on this Friday. We've got the old Observe This, the AW Half Year in Review to, to go back on there as well. Um, yeah, as well as Heart Foundation versus uh, Steve Austin. No, I don't want to. Oh, Heart of a Nation versus the USA that I don't want to let uh, let that be forgotten in there as well. Yeah, yeah. Patreon.com forward slash Scrapple in case you haven't heard me say it three fucking times in the last minute. And plenty plenty more coming on along those lines. And yeah, as uh, JP's alluded to, well, as well as uh, we got a big uh, weekend preview coming uh, this Friday for patrons. We'll be previewing the, uh, mm-hmm. the Ric Flair retirement show, or is it the Jeff Jarrett show plus SummerSlam? Um, small matter of that this weekend. We will also be going live free for all on the uh, on the Grapple YouTube next week. Not for wrestling stuff, though. Um, for those who uh, love or loathe our FPL uh, coverage, uh, this might be good or bad news for you, but we'll uh, be uh, consolidating that somewhere else, um, possibly coming up in the near future. But as a trial mm-hmm. run for that, yeah, we'll be doing our uh, our big draft uh, next Thursday of our uh, FPL teams uh, so far with our, our mini league. So if you enjoyed that last year, that's coming next Thursday night on the uh, on the Grapple YouTube. But yeah, other than that, that's it for us for another show we'll catch you again next week bye Uh-huh. In the Ferrari or Jaguar, switching four lanes with the top down, screaming out money ain't a thing. Bubble hard in the double law, flashing the rings with the window crack, holla back, money ain't a thing. Jigga, I don't like it if it don't gleam, gleam in the hell with the price, but the money ain't a thing. Put it down hard for my dogs that's locked in the bang. When you hit the bricks, new whips, money ain't a thing. Come on. Yeah, I want to floss with us. Come on. Across the board, we burn it up. Drop a little paper, baby, toss it up. Slacking on your pimping, turn it up. See the money. Flex the road, sign a check for your hoe. Jigga style is love, X and O. Save all your accolades, just the dough. My game is wide, all names aside. Trying to stay alive. Hunted down for the bracelet. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.